This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Take a selfie rocking one of our shirts from TeePublic and use the hashtag CBCWorthy for a chance to win two free tickets to see Captain Marvel in theaters March 8th. Just click the Shop Comic Book Click link in our show notes to make a purchase or follow us on Facebook for more information. Remember, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by Comic Book Click, and as you know, I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. I am Tuck Barrett's legitimate cameo, Gregory Thomas, aka GT Rebirth. GT Rebirth is here in studio, and we're here to chop it up about our main man, the man with the master plan, Pete Cagstiglione. <laughs> I think that's his name. I think, I think that's a joke. But you might know him better as Frank Castle, aka the Punisher, but not any version of the Punisher. Marvel's The Punisher, uh, which made his debut in Daredevil season two, and which just wrapped up its season two itself. Uh, Punisher. I think that might be the last outing we might see of the character. It looks like it. Everybody's going on the chopping block here. But, uh, yeah, we've had Punishers in the past before. Uh, film versions, um, versions in animated series, obviously the comic books, and then now this one played by John Bernthal. We thought it'd be a good idea, seeing as we didn't cover season one, to just go into a deep dive in all the things that make John Bernthal's Punisher unique and special and uh, what they've done specifically to this version of the character that they haven't done to other versions. But I guess to start off right up the top, what's your history with the Punisher? Like, are you a Punisher fan? Did you read a lot of Punisher books? I have only read Punisher Max. Okay. That's kind of crazy. Like, that, that stuff in there is a... I, f- I felt a, like, like if I was going to ever read the Punisher, it was just like, let me read it in possibly, I guess its purest form, which would be, you know, um, going all the way with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not like, um, not to sound almost, uh, against that sort of thing, but like not a quote unquote PG 13 Punisher, which is like what you're always going to get to some degree in your mainline Marvel books. Yeah. Like I wanted to see what the, how you would write this book in the dirtiest sense you would, because it is that down and gritty, of a character, you know, we're, we're talking about a dude who is just like, I murder bad people, and there are a lot of bad people. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and bad um, people do really bad things that we can't, you know, talk about out of context. And one of the biggest things about the character is that um, that that idea that bad people need to be, there needs to be a, a, a definitive solution, a definitive yes. answer to the evils of the world. Um, almost is in direct contrast of the hero motto that there's redemption for everybody or right. that not everybody's too far gone. Frank believes that there is a line you can cross. You know, rapists, child murderers, mm-hmm. um, sex traffickers, all those kind of people, the worst of the worst, he feels like there is no redemption for and that they should be put into the ground. And uh, there's a lot of people who have been hurt by 
those things or those kind of people and they they believe the punisher you know they they're yes. on that side like screw that you know if the cops haven't been able to catch some of the worst of the worst in society what does it matter if somebody decides they want to clean up right uh, you know the streets for that i also have a vaguer memory of um the punisher showing up in spider-man the animated series which with is that weird blue jumpsuit that weird like teal <laughs> you remember aren't that? you glad the punisher doesn't wear <laughs> tights anymore why was he in teal why didn't they just put him in black <laughs> he was in like this weird like but Aquamarine. honestly it's kind of it's kind of the same like black shading of black that they did yeah, for venom yeah yeah where it's just like we need him to kind of gloss and shine a little bit just to match this this color palette we put him in instead of it just being a a black void like the blue black panther yes yeah it, that's yeah, just that. what you do when you have a deep color black in an animation it you have to like contrast it against some sort of shading or else it just looks like a void yeah that you're staring into like there is nothing here yeah um which is which makes it more fun when they start to um animate like the cloak character where you can just go black void yeah yeah just a black uh black smoke there but we've always seen you know Frank Castle he rocks the uh very very um iconic there you go icon i was going to say iconic icon uh, very, very iconic symbol. The the skull symbol on the chest. People say that it's as um, iconic as the Superman S and the Batman um, Bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is. People know that skull. It um, Because of the character's background in the military, the military uses that skull in all kinds of iconography. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the idea that, that when you see that skull, something's coming. You know, reckoning is coming. Yeah. Uh, people are it, going it, to It is punished. highly transcendent of the comics because there are people who, who know the symbol and know what it means. To a degree, who have never read a book. Yeah, but Frank Castle is not necessarily just altruistic. This is not just a, a, a soldier who's come back from war and decided that his neighborhood needs cleaning up. Frank Castle uh, suffered a very uh, devastating tragedy. His family was murdered um, uh, in front of him. Mm-hmm. In all instances, it's in front of him, right? I do believe he is always. I believe he's always there for it. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're murdered in front of him. And uh, that that's really the catalyst to why he becomes the anti-hero, the Punisher. That they, Like I said, this character's always been around. They've always found ways to try to integrate him, like we were talking about the Spider-Man, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, char- he's sort of like a hitman for hire or something? Yeah. Um, and the character's been around since 1974. I actually read the first issue of um, that he debuts in. It's an amazing Spider-Man number 129. And it's the Jackal hires Frank Castle to kill Spider-Man. And then right. Frank Castle's like, oh, wait, Spider-Man's a good guy. Screw you, Jackal. And then he just, like, leaves. Right. And that's it. Like, that's literally... I, I think you get told, like, that he's a war vet. And that he's, like, super cool at, with, like, killing and um super proficient with weapons. But I don't think you, you get, like, the whole, like, my family was killed and all the other kind no, of stuff. No, you just, you just get a man who's, like, who's who's good at what he does. And, yeah. and was hired under, like, a false pretense. And then was like, screw you. This is stupid. The next longest form we probably get of The Punisher is that Thomas Jane film. Yes. Uh, which is, I think, in 2004. And I didn't mind that movie. I saw a little bit of it. It's, it's um, John Travolta at his hammiest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, they, they, they play with the ideas of um, revenge and uh, justice and vigilantism. Vigilantism? And that's the first Punisher I remember seeing that look miserable because right. they make they go to great lengths to show him drinking and to show him constantly having flashbacks and to show that because of what happened to him in the past he almost doesn't want a life mm-hmm. his life is now all wrapped up in that trauma 
and in that and in his mission to I guess stop that trauma from ever reaching anybody else. Yes. And um that part of the character is very much in um Marvel's The Punisher. Like that that depiction of like, well, that life is gone. There is no new life. Mm-hmm. This they my new life will always be reminiscing about my own life. And, right. And never really moving forward from that point. Um, were you excited when you found out that Punisher would be in season two of Daredevil? Um, and did you have a background with the actor John Bernthal at all? Um, I was excited about it. I, I thought like this would be an interesting take on the character. I, I know that the character has a, uh, a level of history in Daredevil in the book. So I knew this would be coming from some place um, that had some depth to it. Yeah. You know, like they weren't just going to make something up for these two to clash into each other. Yeah. Um, I thought, that John Bernthal was a great choice just based on the very, very little bit I've seen of The Walking Dead. Okay. Because I felt like... This was a criticism I saw lobbied early for uh, Daredevil Season 2, which was that the John, the John Bernthal Frank Castle is a lot like the um, John Bernthal character in The Walking Dead. Uh, Shane. Shane, yes. Mm-hmm. To which I just thought was like, well, Shane's character was kind of a lot similar to that guy, at least yeah. in the depiction of just, like, aggression and straightforwardness. Yeah. Um, I think, really, if you get more into the minutia, the characters are different. It's Definitely, just that yeah. John Bernthal has a performance that comes through. Yeah, there's definitely points in his portrayal of Shane in The Walking Dead that if this show didn't exist, you can hold up and be like, this guy should play Punisher. Look at this scene. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can see the intensity, mm-hmm. you can see the, um, abruptness, the, you can see the anger and the, um, and the, forward. the fo- and the focus. Yeah. The yeah. focus, the, the laser focus, the forwardness. Um, there's a scene in particular, I don't know how far you've gotten where, um, I pretty much seen the entire season that had to do with the farm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in that season of the farm, people listen, they're like on season nine. So I hope I'm not getting any spoiler stuff for this. If, but... if, you're, if this, if you're spoiled by it at this point, you clearly weren't <laughs> watching and don't care. Right. Uh, there's a scene where they, um, Shane finds out that they've been keeping, uh, walkers in on the farm because mm-hmm. they think that there's, they can be rehabilitated, that they're, they're still real humans in there. Yes. And that eventually once the sickness goes, that they'll be able to be alive. But Shane's like, wait a minute. So you've been keeping deadly zombies mm-hmm. right next to where we sleep. You know, that's not cool. And then, um. While they're trying to wrangle new zombies into the into the barn, he shows up and pulls out a gun. And he's like, "Oh, so this thing's alive!" And then he shoots it in the head, uh, in the chest, and he's like, "Say, why is it still coming? Yeah, why is it still moving? Nah, tell me!" And he starts shooting it, and that that uh, anger. When, and when all they that. casted him, that was the scene that played in my head. I was like, "That guy's perfect." Yep, that's what, the dude. Why is he still coming? <laughs> why is he still? If and, he's alive, how's he still coming? And, Bang! Yeah, and um, they they do another scene in there where him and um the main character, Rick, get into a scuffle and they sit down and they talk about their their differences, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you can't protect them, Rick. You're weak. You know, your kid's weak and your wife is weak. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm strong. And it's the idea of, you know, you hit them and they get back up and I hit them and, I, and they stay down. And I'm yeah. like, oh, this is going to work right in. So, um, you know, I was excited. I really liked Daredevil season one and the idea that they would be adding another really big iconic Marvel character to it mm-hmm. and giving it that real gritty and realistic spin. Yes. I thought it was really, really cool. So Frank Castle's, uh, John Bernthal's Frank Castle shows up in Daredevil season two and they almost play him right off as a villain, right? Like he's, he's the big bad Punisher. Yeah. And he's out gunning people 
mercilessly for mm-hmm. revenge. Um, it's because then, that's what Frank Castle do. Yeah, but <laughs> it's eventually realized that um, there's actually people trying to frame him for multiple murders in New York by targeting the gangs and all kinds of stuff. It turns out to be this whole big um, cover-up. How did you feel about the revelation in, in Daredevil Season 2 that Frank Castle was a man, um, you know, almost blamed by the government for a series of crimes? And, um, yeah, there was this big, massive cover-up that involved the army, heroin, <laughs> um, you know, CIA eventually as we get into the, uh, Punisher Season 1 and stuff. How do you feel about the world against the Punisher and um, Daredevil Season 2? It felt familiar. Like, I'm familiar with the idea that the... Uh... The, the military or any giant system would have this um this business that they were running this underground like illegal business that they were trafficking and that they would find somebody to uh be purposed as the scapegoat for it all yeah and like it's it's really easy when you can manipulate or control the media and just put like this is the guy's face this is the bad guy. Yeah. Let's focus all on him. Yeah. We can keep sweeping all this under the rug on the left. Yeah, definitely. Like, no, be afraid of this man. It, it, focus on the monkey. It's it's <laughs> also it's 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 a little bit disheart- disheartening, right? Like it's 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 discouraging the idea that um you could give so much up to yourself, and they play this around in all the seasons, but mm-hmm. that you can give so much up to an organization or up um to a, a group, thinking that you're doing it for the greater good, and that ultimately. When it comes down to um, the crap rolling downhill, as the saying goes, yeah, they will cut ties. <laughs> you know, oh, they absolutely. Will, you know, you you can't just be a loose tie at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot in season two about can you murder righteously? Should villains be put down for good? Uh, um, Karen, who di- who literally deals with um, her life almost being taken in season one, and who does take a life in season one of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, really believes that you should just kill. People should just die. In season three of Daredevil, she goes to try to kill Wilson Fisk herself, or yes. at least die by his hands. And she get him she, she goes to to uh, raise Fisk's ire so that they have something concrete. Like this man assaulted me, put right. him away. Right. So she goes to great lengths when when she believes in, in something, and I think that she is um, she plays us in a lot of ways. Where on the basis of what Frank's gone through, it's easy to be like, oh yeah. You know, that's easy peasy. It's even Stevens. Yeah. Um, but when you start seeing the gratuitous nature of what's going on sometimes or how bad this war um, is affecting Frank, whether mentally, but sometimes just blatantly physically, mm-hmm. like knives in the knees, <laughs> gun, you know, shotguns, um, all the, that kind the, of stuff. The needles in the fingers. That one got me. Season two of Daredevil, he really got beaten down. There was barely a time where he was not not with scars or yeah. bleeding or black eyes. Mind oh, yeah, you, it was so. the second time I'd seen that specific torture brand that oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had done it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to Mockingbird not that long before. And I was just like, not again. That, yeah, that is, that oh. is. He said, I think in that they say like the um, the Irish invented revenge or something like that. Yeah. Or the Irish didn't invent revenge, but we certainly got perfected it or something yes. like that. Um, yeah, so Frank Castle is a whirlwind in Daredevil season two. He's a one-man um, war on crime. As he, yeah, he's been, um, that's how they said, he, he, that's how they described him in comics and stuff. Um, and while they try to have this veil that it's all just post-traumatic stress, he goes to great lengths to say that it isn't. That mm-hmm. um, while he does have damage to his brain literally from being shot, yes, um, that's not 
the root causes that he understands and he has the through line. Right. He makes it a big point to clarify. Like, I know exactly what I'm doing yeah. and I'm choosing to do it. I don't feel compelled or pushed. I don't feel like my mind isn't working in its faculties. Um, How do you feel about his um vigorous uh defense that he did not have PTSD or just his um going to great lengths to clarify that that wasn't what that wasn't what they could just blanket it off as. I I, I understood it because it, it is real easy to like to throw that label on. Like, oh, uh a bad thing happened or you went through a rough thing. Like you you went through war, you were a soldier. Clearly you came back with something. Yeah. You know, it's like saying like you went to this country that's that's dirty and and, and third world, like you came back with something. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you ate a food. Right, right, right. <laughs> Clearly, so, you came back a little messed up. So, like, this is how we're going to explain away your decisions and your uh, brutality and, and murderous actions. Yeah, uh, I also find that um, with that, that almost makes every veteran kind of seem like a powder keg. Yeah, you know, like like they're all waiting on a hair trigger to 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 lash out. And we see a characterization of somebody like that mm-hmm. in um, Daredevil. I mean, in Punisher season one. But at this point, um with the righteousness of murder, we're really questioning that if in this world, um, Frank was set up and if in this world, the, everyone who is seemingly in charge of figuring out who did this is in on it. Right. He is almost justified Mm -hmm. in his one man war. How did you feel about that? And how do you feel about the justification of murder, um, for the greater good? Which is uh, humongous. That's a really big yeah. <laughs> question to ask. But I guess in the lens of this and this character in particular, because without that logic, this character doesn't exist. I think it's an important question to ask because it is really, really easy to just get caught up in the uh, in the violence and like like the adrenaline rush of the show. Yeah. To just like, or even or even the adrenaline rush of the comics when you you know if you read enough Punisher books. To just like get lost in this violence party because like it's just television and 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 violent television is sort of like, um, uh, it it's just uh again an adrenaline rush that you kind of get from watching these things happen, but really it's not it's not real. So the concept of of people's lives don't really come into um contact with you. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's no different from playing a video game. Like you're not you're not really taking people's lives. It's not real. Yeah. It's all a fake, silly simulation. But when you really take back and look at the character, you have to think about, like, when you go out and you seem to brandish this logo on your stuff, Yeah, you know, there you there are people who take the, the skull, the Punisher skull, the iconic insignia, and, like, it's on their bumper car, bumper stickers for their cars. Yeah. You know, it, it's on their hats. It's, it's, it's obviously very well marketed because there's, you know, tons of merchandise with various versions of it. Um, it's on people's guns. When you talk about the, the military or it's on their uniforms, patches, all kinds of, all yeah. sorts of things. And there are people who will do it blindly. Okay. Out understanding what that skull really means. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, some people just, for some people, that skull is just an intimidation factor. That definitely, and it's used in the comics and here for that reason as well. Absolutely. For others, it's like it. It is their sort of belief in that violent retribution. Yeah, and now and that violent retribution achieved by 
um strategic means like like yes like um you don't know you wouldn't see like a normal you know street punk right brandishing this this is mostly like military cop um someone who believes in kind of an order this idea that all bad actions should be reciprocated with <laughs> or, or 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 someone on the lower level who just like sympathizes with the idea yeah you know yeah. like I, I i maybe i'm not a cop or a military or whatever but yeah from down here i believe that like yeah if he's a crap person take him out yeah you know like like why what what is this 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 phony sense of like order and um uh a law that we can just like lock these people away in cages like just just, just kill them so do you think that this show has um gone out of its way to make a like stark line between good and evil so that it'll be easier for us to be okay with Frank killing? Or do you think that there are people that are that far gone, that are that removed? This this wasn't like mustache twirling portrayals more so than it is like there are people at the top who have more skeletons in their closet than you could believe. And that if, if push came to shove and we weighed all their sins, they probably should be taken out. Um... It's it's difficult to agree because while I would never say like I would never say anyone in the world should be able to hand out any righteous murder for any terrible means like what are soldiers sometimes other than people who are you know you have a mission to take out this terrorist I'm not going to tell you it's wrong yeah that terrorist is out to do a really bad thing and right. ending that one life could save thousands I'm like is that right is is that not righteous murder yeah. So to to inexplicably and blanketly like um uh discredit it is is not playing in all the angles. I agree. Yeah. To say that like to say righteous murder is wrong across the board is ignoring the fact that there are good cops out there with guns only for the manner of defense. Yes. To to put down people who intend to hurt us. Yeah, or hurt others. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So, like, yeah, th- I think there is, on some level, a version of it. It just has to, like, it has to really fit in the right box. Right, right. No, <laughs> no yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think that um, it, it, it Frank had to be a soldier because yes. that those decisions have to be made on a daily basis in that life. Mm-hmm. And so when he comes to, um, when he comes back and it, when everything happens to him and, you know, um, his family is killed. It's easy for him to make those choices in his head again because right. there's obviously they're doing bad things, and what I used to get paid to kill people who mm-hmm. did bad things. Right. So why don't I? I'll just do this pro bono. You know, I'll just come. Yeah. I just do this pro bono. It's easy for him to make that decision. And in the same sense, when other people who've never had to make the decision before question mm-hmm. his motives, you can see the frustration in his eyes. You can right. see like the you've never. This isn't an easy choice to make, and I've already made it. 10 times right. today. <laughs> so when I make it the 11th time tomorrow, realize that I'm past what you're, what's bothering you about right. death and what's bothering you about revenge. I've done this. I've, I've, I've already buried my grave. I know that the things I've done may not be hundred percent right, but I'm willing to do them to reach a better tomorrow or whatever. And on some level, you, even though you don't know it, you were okay with me doing this yesterday because it was someone else from up high giving me orders to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and both, give you an illusion of safety yes. or maybe, or maybe straight up safety, right. but 
the biggest thing is you didn't have to get your hands dirty to get it. And it wasn't you. You weren't seeing it. It wasn't fun if it wasn't on your street. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So and that's a, that's that's played with a lot more in um, Punisher season one because between the I, ends of um, not oh, to cut ahead, you right? off, I do believe there there is this like this belief that people put in these heads that like these wars or these battles are fought in like these these Dragon Ball Z esque oh, yeah. barren you know areas. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've only seen we people can only do, uh, see what they what's been portrayed before. Yeah, you know, um, and so by the end of Daredevil season two, we kind of mo- for the most part everyone's on Frank's side, even though he's killing a, a whole bunch of people, and he does get revenge on um, Colonel Ray Schoonover. He uh, is at worst tolerated. <laughs> yeah, he gets his he gets his revenge on his uh, dirty colonel who has been using um who had used him previously to smuggle heroin across the uh across country mm-hmm. and um had used a bunch of other men as we find out in this like really dark covert ops um stuff well the first hint we get of that is this disc with the word micro on it did you know off the off the rip what this was pertaining to no because i had no idea who microchip was i didn't end up i didn't end up reading the books until um uh i think a little before season one what's microchip's character like in the comics in, in in the Mac stuff I saw, honestly, like he doesn't last very long, so I couldn't okay. tell you. Um, I only remember seeing him as someone who was recently like the Mac stuff I read portrayed him as someone who was previously um related to Frank and then betrayed him. Okay, and so Frank took him out in like okay. the first or second volume that I read. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> So I don't, I don't get, I don't get much of a uh, reference other than like he looks much different in the books. Like he's sort of a a chubbier, balding man. Yeah, yeah. I heard that he was quite chubby. Yes, but yeah, season two ends with him getting this micro disc. Uh, we don't really get to see what he does with it quite yet. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he's killed the colonel. He now has finally uh put on the bulletproof vest with the Punisher logo on it, and he's out to um. You know, clean up any loose ties. I have to deal with the gangs that have killed, that were involved in the shooting, um, where his, uh, where his family was killed. Yes. And so season one of the Punisher opens up pure Punisher, right? Like he's just going around killing people in bathrooms and mm-hmm. shooting people from across the border and all kinds of really, really cool <laughs> things. But how do you feel about that season opening up? Um, you know, twenty minutes in, he's burning the Punisher <laughs> outfit, and uh, he's working. I was on a little con- sad about that. And he's working in a construction site. He's uh, Pete Castiglione. Cags- Castiglione. Castiglione, yeah. I was a little sad about that, even just because, like, it seems like you um, you are made to to earn these moments where, like, the Marvel shows will give you the comic book uniform. Yeah, and yeah. then they just go away. Yeah, like, like Daredevil t- season two, you get a lot of the uniform, and yeah. then he burns it. I'm just yeah. like, and then Daredevil <sighs> season three, you barely get any of the now uniform. Get, now we got, <laughs> now we got, now we got Maddie back in the sweats. Yeah, you know, and that with the headband and like then they put the uniform on the other guy like, yeah okay, yeah fine. But, yeah so like yeah it, i was a little sad because like i was waiting for that and now it's gone again and you're gonna make me wait again and i think we were all pretty you know hip to the fact that like okay he's gonna try to hang it up but obviously something bad's gotta happen something so bad that he has to uh end up coming back and getting into the thick of it um but he doesn't really choose to get into the the really really thick of it until um it's also said that everyone thinks he's dead. That's the biggest thing about yes. the beginning of season one. Everyone thinks that Frank Castle is dead, and so he's living a life 
you know, um, basically underground, new name, really, really, um, like, low uh, maintenance, profile. low profile and low maintenance. Like, he eats a can of beans and yeah. just hangs out in his, like, one-room apartment or whatever. There, there, the there, there are not room for, like, pleasures in Frank Castle's life. There was just yeah. mere, there was merely, like, uh, sustenance. <laughs> so what is, what do you think is this, um... The end goal, end game in this, with this life, with this Pete Caxilioni, uh construction life. Like, there doesn't seem to, it just, like, I just wake up, go to work, and come home, right? Um, I'm, I always just took it as, like, this is, this is kind of, like, my cover for what I have to do to, uh, uh, get by, you know. Right. But I, that, that's all he's going to be doing, right? Get, getting by. Because he's not going to punish anyone. He's, right. He's done with that. And he Seemingly. can't, yeah. He can't get any like high profile job because he's dead, <laughs> right? So he literally just has to survive every day, and and find some uh way to like channel his aggression. Yes, which because is he, in breaking rocks, massive rocks. Which some people would say you are able to channel or even um you know extinguish your aggression when with interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. But as shown in season in that first episode of season one. He does not want to be friends with anyone. No. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He doesn't want anyone to know him. Is this a, a cover situation or is this a don't want anyone to get close? Uh, I'd say it's a little bit of both. Situation, yeah. Um, I'd say he, he doesn't have many room for for new relationships in his life. Yeah. And nor do I think he wants to spend Well, unless time. you're going to be a, his exact wife, like that right. lady right. <laughs> or those kids. Right. He doesn't have any room for anybody. No, not at all. Um, we get a lot of flashbacks in season one. How do you th- think the flashbacks were? Do you think they were effective? Like seeing um, uh, a lot of like his wife and I, I. The only thing I thought was weird. I think at one point he's getting beat to death and he's he's like imagining that he's sleeping with his wife. Uh oh, toward the <laughs> yeah that 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 thing toward the end. I was like, wait, I don't think I understand this. Is I this felt just, like that, that was supposed deeper? to be his his like his going to the light moment. <laughs> I don't know. But um, the flashbacks were interesting just because I, I kept wanting to get, like, the the full story from it. Like, yeah. we keep going back to the, I'm in bed, there's my wife, and there's the mass dude just with the gun. I was also, like, wondering at one, at one point if the shoe was ever going to drop because a lot of it seemed like rose-colored glasses. Yeah. You know? I, I, I always kept thinking that that wasn't how it went down, but that's how he keeps imagining it. Right, and there's there's something to that because at various points in both of these seasons of uh, season one and two, I won't be getting into spoilers for both these seasons, is um, this idea, like at one point he says, like, I was more uh, comfortable with my second family in the army than I was with my first. And at some points I felt like I'd rather be with those guys in the foxhole than being with my actual family. Yeah. Um, we get another story where he says that like his son drew a marine on the wall, and he like accosted him for it. Like he yelled at him and got all up, 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 all up in his face. Like, why the hell would you do that? And yada yada. And the kids like, well, marines beat up bad guys, so I wanted him to protect the house while you were gone. So there's a bunch of like mm. he's told a bunch of stories where his um his lifestyle, his job, his career got in the way, or um um with either his parenting or even his ability to be emotionally available for his family. Right. And then they were taken from him, which makes it more tragic. It mm-hmm. wasn't all hard stars or horseshoes, but he was moving towards that direction. Yeah. And um, it, it got all taken from him. I, I think at the end of the day, that's like the most important thing that like this thing was 
taken from him before he could like fix that. Yeah. And now that's all he has is this uh this this seething rage in that place he was in. Right. When he was just, you know, a soldier. Yeah, and what's funny about that, or I guess not funny, I mean these guys uh do they're they're real good at, at sneaking themes under other themes, but this idea that that's the mentality of soldiers sometimes is this thing where okay, well, I've trained for two, three, five, ten years to do this job in this service. But to be honest, to be a good soldier, you kind of lack being good at everything else. Like, yeah. you know, because you, you have to, that has to be your life. You have to be willing to, you know, um, really dive yourself into that stuff. And sometimes you neglect other personal relationships in your life. And so when it comes time to ending your tenure with the army, the idea is to then integrate your in, um, integrate back into society, right, and be part of the the big wheel that is you know the world uh, turning. So when you come back, and if you don't feel like you fit in that wheel, the only other possible avenue is to go back where you did yeah. fit, go back where your skills were uh, valued, go back where those years of you having that experience. There's a group of people out there that will legit uh, value that. Yeah. And it's so easy to go back because, like, it's not exactly a job you'll get turned down for. Exactly. <laughs> and so, in this sense, he only just really quit. Enlist. He only really quit for his family. Mm-hmm. So, if his family's not around, why quit? Why right. you might as well go back to what I was doing? Now I can't go back to the military. I'm dead. But I can go back to snuffing out bad guys, getting intelligence, and snuffing out bad guys and stuff. And you don't get intelligence without my man David Micro Lieberman or Lieberman, as he's always called in this. <laughs> in this. Uh, you want to say that that actor's name? You want to try that? Uh, Ivan Moss Bakrak. Yeah, Ivan Moss Bakrak. I would not have guessed that was his name, but that's the actor who plays uh David Michael Lieberman and who tries to blackmail Frank initially into um into meeting with him because uh Michael's also caught up in all this stuff. He found out that the CIA um or I guess it was was it the CIA. I guess it eventually ends up being the CIA, but he finds out that that this dirty thing happened in Kandahar where, um, you know, guys like uh, Schoonover and Agent Orange uh, created a black ops team called Project Cerberus or Operation Cerberus. And using these um, soldiers from like special forces and Navy SEALs and all this kind of stuff, they did secret missions um, that no one knew about Mm -hmm. that were not on the list or, you know. Uh, they didn't have to report to anybody, and they killed a lot of people. Some and clearly, people... those guys are not happy being involved in it. Yeah, and after a while, you can see that them them getting a bit hip to it and being like, uh, because when you're a soldier, and they tell you what to do, you're always under the assumption that these orders are on high, and this is the best. Right. This is the best answer to this situation. These people who you are, these people who you are following and taking Trusting. orders from, are like, you know. They, these are the people who are right. Like they're guiding us in the right direction. We are here on the righteous path. Yeah, uh, you you trust these people intrinsically. Uh, they you trust them with your life and your livelihood. Um, and this they talk about that in the group in the group when they're having like that group meeting uh-huh. or whatever. Um, this idea that uh, you're constantly putting your faith and trust in in people in the military, and they have to uphold that trust because that's their job. Yes. And when you come back, you do that with regular people, and they don't really owe you anything, and so. Um, we see, uh, uh, if I may make a long comparison, I, I, I appreciate that there's sort of like, this works on two levels with two very interconnected characters, which is like, um, Frank Castle and Steve Rogers. Yeah. 
who, yes. who Frank saw as a hero. I don't think I don't think the show ever plays that up. But no. like that'd be really cool though. If you yeah, it would right. be. Yeah. Like Frank saw Steve Rogers as a hero, and it, it was almost every reason he got into the military. Yeah, and him and Steve come to the same conclusion that like. At the end of the day, there are a lot of times where you are being led by people with agendas who do not match yours. Right. So, like, you are going in, like, um, Steve's going into missions for Nick Fury that he doesn't believe in and, and realize, like, this is for Nick Fury's personal gain. Right. Not the gain of the country. Not the greater good. Or the gain of defense. Yeah. And now Frank, Frank and all those guys are going into missions that are for the personal gains of these people running this extradition and, and, and black black ops and the, the lines madness. are getting more and more blurred the details are being more and more scarce mm-hmm. at one point frank legitimately believes that they're getting, they're being set up in a trap and he's told you literally shoot what i point at and that's what you're here for right we don't need you to think and that um expedition expedition gets a lot of people killed yes it does it gets a uh, schoon over his arm cut off and that's why we see him with only one arm in uh, daredevil mm-hmm. um but i think it's one of the best moments in that season Right. Where you see him just go full, like, <laughs> full Frank Castle Punisher and, like, storm the house. Yes. And, like, he has a handgun, he has a machine gun, he has a knife. He's doing all kinds of stuff and just surviving. And that's where I think you get the majority of the uh, Punisher war cry. Which right. is which is basically just a guttural, oh, <laughs> that, you get, that you get a lot. But I think Burnthal is very good at. I think it adds to the nature of the Punisher because... There's a certain animal magnetism and a certain yes. animal reptilian. Love um, that song. Yeah. Right? <laughs> There's a certain reptilian nature about him. You know, the reptili- a reptilian part of your uh, your brain, the fight, f- fight or flight, mm-hmm. the adrenaline pumping, the, you know, if anyone's ever truly felt the rush of an adrenaline in a fight or, or any kind of life-threatening situation, you realize that you do yes. go red. You do, like, blackout. You do, you know what I'm saying? Your body yeah. just moves on instinct. Yes. And, um... That you see him do that, and to see him do that there, uh, it, it it's weird also because you can tell that he that he's doing it out of necessity. He's not doing it because it's the rad thing to do. Right. He didn't wake up this morning. And was like, oh, I would love to kill a bunch of people, and that's a, that's another big thing that they, I think that they uh go to great lengths to show is that he doesn't wake up thinking about murder. No. You know, he doesn't. This is while he does this stuff, and he doesn't really blink at the gratuitous nature. He of wakes gun up violence. wishing he could get a good night's sleep for once. Exactly, <laughs> and then he finds out that there's somebody out there that's making sleep harder for other people, mm-hmm. and then he goes and tries to put that person out. Yeah. Um. But I, although there's a lot of gun violence and and you know weapons in this, I don't think that they uh, glorify it at all. No. Uh, I think the most important thing is that they don't ever glorify the mission as like uh like something that's that's good or completely just yes there there is always a depiction that like what he's doing is kind of bent in a way but he believes in it yeah and that and that part of what he's doing because it's is built from trauma it's a little selfish yes like, like um the way the motives are a little bit more selfish than than he would probably want to admit uh, in in Daredevil season 2 he was um paired opposite of another vigilante yes so they were both talking about working outside of the law to achieve these means of uh you know maintaining truth and justice but in punisher season one he's almost directly in opposition of actual law enforcement you know we get introduced to a new character called um agent dina madani played by amber rose riva and um she is somebody whose partner was killed during a sting of that operation cerebus and so she's also trying to find out 
the most she can about that operation, but people seem to be dropping left and right yeah. and literally dying every time she gets a, a, a any lead. Any lead on that. How do you feel about Angel Madani? Um, she is a big part of Punisher Season 1 and Punisher Season 2, a wholly original character that they wrote for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and a female, you know, a strong female character. The Marvel is a little bit shorter, though, though some of these, you know, sometimes. But I, um, I not personally... Not Marvel TV. No, not Marvel TV. <laughs> I personally I personally like the character, but I wanted to hear um, what you thought of her. I, I enjoyed um, Dina Madani. I, it was one of those things that, like, I'm always shaky whenever they introduce this, like, um, how do you say sidewalk main character yeah that we're obviously going to be following for a lot of the show yes i had the same situation watching um daredevil season three where they introduced um nadim yeah uh agent nadim and i'm just like okay clearly nadim is going to be a massive part of the show we're going to be following him a lot and like we have to create this person's backstory and then like either juxtapose or run it straight in run it straight into our heroes for some particular reason and like hope it comes off well, you know. Right. And that's always real hit or miss sometimes. And it's also it also doesn't help that like we've seen enough of these shows to um, either a get really really tired of the cop um, <laughs> co star right because yes. we've seen it. Um, literally every show that's on the CW right now has a cop co star right that is like you probably shouldn't be doing this, but. I'm not going to stop you from doing it, but you probably shouldn't be doing it. Right. And so it, you can really get long in the tooth with that and really get tired of it. But I didn't. I never really got tired of her. Um, we, how important is uh, Madani's ethnicity in this in this uh, show? Um, and you know, is, I, I didn't think it was initially, but I think showing that she comes from of privilege would have been clashing if she probably would have been a white. A white, uh, it would have been clashing, yeah. I think it would have been it would people would have written it off as as cliche. Oh, okay, you understand? Know like, if she was a silver spoon child, right, in in um, you know, Fifth Ave of New York City, and then her mother got her into well to do well, homeland security, well to do woman got got herself a nice job at this high end, you know, law enforcement, and right, yeah, and then she has her, a relationship with essentially, somebody, essentially what, what seems to be the character that the DA plays in season two, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, finds herself on the short end of a, of a life stick. Because she is Pakistani or Persian? Um, I really don't want to get that wrong. Not sure. I'm looking it up now, though. But yeah, keep talking about Medina. Let's see what I can find out. I, you know what? I, I did not think about it until it seemed like season three offers you an incredibly similar character in... um again, I lost his name again. Um, the 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 agent from season three of Daredevil, uh, Nadine. Yes, I, I I didn't notice it until then, and I was just like, oh, it feels like we've got a lot of um, we've got a lot of brown cops on these shows. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is just like, that's interesting to see in a sense that you know the uh the white cop is always going to kind of you're gonna make an opinion about it immediately. Yeah, you're gonna kind of form an opinion about the quote-unquote white cop character almost immediately. Exactly. Every single time. So now, when you've got these uh other other ethnicities playing law enforcement characters, now it's just like, okay, what am I going to learn about this person? Yeah. And what kind of cop are you? And oftentimes they're mostly pretty clean. Yeah. You know, they're just 
guys. What, a, what an odd little dichotomy, right? What yeah. an odd little little uh, flair that they've put onto this show. Yeah, they're all just guys trying to get their job done. Uh, we and had, these vigilantes keep messing crap up. You know, we had uh, Ben Urich. Uh, yes. We had... Um, Who was also white in the comics. Yeah, Mahoney shows up here. Um, uh, Misty Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get these these uh, in depth looks, and, but then with every Misty Night, you have a scarf, right? Yes. So so you know, with every um, Madani, you have a Carson Wolf, right? And so they they they're doing they're doing something. I feel like it's deliberate, uh, you know, with picking and choosing of these different sexes. And um, I didn't and, uh, think so at first because it just, it never dawned on me that like there's all these uh dark skinned cops that are just you know, the good ones. Yeah. In, in some way or form. Like, Nassim gets dragged in by his kicking and screaming into something he never wanted to be in. Yeah. And even though they are always sort of juxtaposed against your main character, they are not ever the villain. Yeah. It's just that their um, their positions in, in the goal don't align. Right. Because they all seem to be chasing after the same thing. You know, they both want to take down the Kingpin. They both want to take down these uh uh the Operation Cerberus guys, but yeah. they don't align because one person's trying to, you know, uphold the law and one person's just like I'm doing this my way. Yeah, um Micro uh, agrees to help Frank find these guys because these are the same guys that are after Micro and his family and they uh you know, they think that they killed Micro the same way they think that they killed Frank and that both of these men are dead. And so because of their now um their partnership frank's one caveat is that anybody and everybody that they find dealing with this agent cerberus no trials right. all death <laughs> right how do you feel about that um that declaration and or that uh that agreement you know like oh well i'll, I'll help you but we're on this page none of them we're not locking any of them up like i meet them they die that's, that's it. i understood it because i i'm i absolutely feel at that point that frank does not trust the system yeah and that the and even if and even if the system wanted to do right, that these two these guys are too powerful to touch. Yeah, you know, that some favors are going to get called in, or some leverage is going to get pulled, and they'll get off. Yeah. So like, he's just going to eliminate them. And this is the same. This is the same justice system that had him arrested, and then he broke out of prison, right? Yeah. So he's he's really like on, uh... on, on <laughs> you know on on some false pretenses. Exactly. Um. But we also get a little bit in on Agent Orange. I'm trying to find the uh, the actor, but he is the I, I they did a real good job for me not liking that guy. Oh, he was a scumbag. Um, he legit went out of his way to to be like braggadocious, to be a jerk. To he constantly was treating soldiers like dogs or expendable uh, people. What what got me about him and like. It's it's the kind of thing that you would probably hate in anything, you know, in real life. Like, he was the kind of guy who was clearly clearly made it a point that he was above you and that, like, you were the grunts to do the dirty work that he would never, ever sully himself with. Right. You know? But we'll come, but we'll come in after you've done the dirty work and, you know, tie this guy to a chair to torture him for whatever means. Were they trying to show? Were they trying to show slash say that he was like enjoying some of that stuff? The torture. Did I, did I read that wrong? Yeah, like this idea, like just just like this big man on campus, kind of like I can just show up and 
if I want to kill somebody in the oh, desert, absolutely. I can kill somebody in the I desert. I absolutely felt like I absolutely I felt like he 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 loved his position. Like, he he enjoyed being the guy who could just like manipulate all these like puppets in whatever way he can, and yeah. then just come in when it was all taken care of and just like beat up whoever. <laughs> we find out that um, William Rawlins knows that Punisher Frank is back and he's out. And so that means that Frank's probably coming for him. And so he goes and tries to enlist one of his best and brightest, but who just so happens to be one of the best friends of Frank Castle. A man that we uh, find out uh, is named Billy Russo. Yes. We get introduced to Billy Russo, uh, uh, the character played by Ben Barnes in um, Punisher Season 1. And the first thing we see about Billy is that he's pretty well to do. He's like clean cut, got a suit. Running an organization called Anvil, um, which seems to be a, like a paramilitary organization. Paramilitary, yeah. Yeah, um, that you know handles. Uh, they take military contracts and they get stuff done. And he seems to be trying to use it as an altruistic way to get to branch um, and transition soldiers who are coming back from mm-hmm. overseas. So everything seems to check out. He yes. used to be, he used to work with Frank, and now he's helping soldiers get better. And um, which on paper seems like a great thing because like if you if you have dedicated ten to fifteen years yourself to the military and your job was to be like a gunnery like like they, these these jobs that do not translate back to you know the real world yeah you know it it, it doesn't do you much good to be a fifteen year trained uh killer and then like what do you do when you get back yeah. Do you just go to college? Yeah, you know, like it is there. What, hey, what, thanks for the GI Bill. And what is a comparable experience? Experience from there. You've seen from other um, sh- uh, shows and movies, especially like if you've seen The Hurt Locker. The end of that movie ends with him feeling more comfortable at war than in the supermarket. Right. You know, and that that's life for some uh, certain people. But um, you can't just be a cop because now you've got to like they they're going to ask you to do almost the same thing you were doing, but at like one-sixth of the aggression. Exactly. And you have almost um less... Like, they'll cut you off sooner. They'll cut you loose sooner. sooner. You know what I'm saying? Much like if, you, if you're a loose end or if you're somebody that could drag down the organization, they'll just... Much sooner. Cut you sooner, where I feel like the Army's more about, like, we are a brand and we're trying to, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they'll be a little bit um more forgiving and stuff. Uh, So, Billy's around, but Billy has no idea that Frank is around. The only person that knows that Frank is around is Curtis Hoyle. Another veteran who seems to be trying to do his best to help veterans because he's created a support group. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an insurance salesman. I don't remember what he did. Yeah, he's an insurance salesman, uh, an amputee. Yes. Because he says, like, this thing really helps uh, <laughs> the job. <laughs> he's, right. like, you know, uh, selling insurance. Uh, uh, but not in the, he's not a Marine. He's a Navy corpsman, um, uh, a medic. And that's how Frank uh, met him. Which may as well be the same thing for some of them. Yeah. So Billy Billy and Frank fought together. Curtis and Frank, I think, met each other. And so Curtis knows full well that Frank's alive, but Billy has no clue. Um, how do you feel about uh, Billy Russo's initial, the initial curiosity slash pain that he felt that Frank might be alive and he may not know? Um, I thought it was interesting. Like, I kept finding myself trying to really read what the relationship here was because it it was confusing for a bit, I guess, yeah. is the is the word to use. It's like, I think that might be my lack of familiarity with the comics. I don't remember what, um, I don't know much about the Jigsaw character. So, like, 
I assumed anyway that there wasn't ever a relationship between the two. And I don't think that there is. Yeah. Um, I think that this was something that was made whole cloth for the show. So, I know that that name sounds comic booky, right? Billy Russo? That yeah, sounds it like, does. That sounds like uh, Tony Zuko or, you know, like, yeah. all, the, like all that stuff there. It, it, so it, It's a perfectly uh, broadcastable name. Right. It definitely uh, sounds like it could be, you know, mafia or any of that kind of stuff there. So, um, it was interesting to see that, like, there was someone um, other than Curtis that, like, uh, the Punisher considered familiar. Yes. Yeah. But but not familiar enough to let know that he's back. Right. So that, that that also like raises an eyebrow. Like, okay, so who are you letting in? Who are you who are you letting out? And for what reason? Because right. um, Billy was right there in you know in the thick right? in the thick of it with with uh, Frank, and he was literally there when Frank quit Project Cerberus by punching out Agent Orange and like one Billy. of the first ones to shout about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, we cannot keep doing this. We can't keep running into, you know, ambushes and killing innocent men and doing all these, you know, unholy things in the name of, uh, you know, just obedience and military and, and security. For a mission we don't believe in and don't, you know, understand yeah. even. Are we to believe that Frank left then and Billy stood? Um, I'm, I'm never actually sure of that. Right, because Billy maintains contact with William Rollins, a.k.a. Agent Orange. Yes. They stay buddy-buddy, and I'm want to believe that uh, Agent Orange allows Billy to move up to the ranks where he can get government contracts and create something like Anvil. Yeah. Um, all that, all so that uh, Billy never questions what they've done, you know, right. where they're going or any of that kind of stuff, which I think is, um, which is important there. Uh, but the biggest reveal, one of the biggest reveals we end up getting is this idea that because Billy and Agent Orange were in cahoots, that it was Agent Orange who sent the death, uh, you know, the death squad <laughs> to go take out Frank and his family and that Billy was in on it mm-hmm. um, all to cover up the last loose end of this Cerebus thing or the last person who seemed actively um, against everything that they were doing right. or, or might be actually trying to get the stuff out. Did they also say that that, that hit had to do with the micro CD? Um, I think on some level it was all vaguely connected. I don't remember. Yeah, because um, Micro has actual footage of Frank killing a, a cop. A, yes. A, a, a Afghani cop? Uh, I believe. I thought it was just the informant. Yeah. I think it was an informant. He, ki- he killed um, somebody that they were saying was a terrorist, but it obviously wasn't. They were trying to, you know, yeah. clean up their tracks. And um, that disc was given to Frank, and Frank knows that people know of it. And so this disc... Um, in many ways, is the proof that the government was up to something shady, mm-hmm. that guys like Rollins was up to something shady. And it starts to get kind of crazy because all of Rollins' connections that are higher than him are willing to cut him loose. Absolutely. Because they're like, they're like, no, listen, I asked you early on. I gave you this cushy job, and I asked you early on whether or not you um, you had anything, that, anything scandalous that was going to come back. And you were like, nah. And then two days later, you're like, oh, yeah. It's Frank Castle, and we have to kill him. Right. And so, um, we're we're shown early on that the government, or yeah, that certain members of the government don't have a problem with uh, things getting brushed under the rug, as so long as the brand doesn't get damaged. So right. long as the um, but if you seem to be the one damaging it the most, they'll cut you off. Absolutely. <laughs> and feed you to the wolves. Uh, cut off that rotten appendage so the rest of the body could oh, yeah. um 
Because if, if, if we can if we can create a scapegoat and make sure it wasn't us, then you know, it's it's real easy to blame it on one person. Yeah, and is. if one person is the bad person, then like it wasn't us; it was that guy. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, take you take away personal responsibility. Can't talk about personal responsibility without talking about my man Lewis Wilson, a troubled veteran who walks into Curtis's um group, and it it just seems to be going through it, man. This kid. Yeah. Can't sleep. He could barely talk without studying. I, I, I had a pretty, like, a, a, a tough visceral reaction to seeing him, like, tussle and toss in bed uncomfortably, only for him to actually go out into his yard and just dig a ditch and then sleep into that. Right. And I was just like, wow, that is, that's pretty deep. My, and it my... seemed like, like, a literal metaphor for him, like, he's trapped in a hole he can't get out of. I was definite. All oh, right, yeah, and yeah. they. T- I like. Do you remember that like little um, metaphor? Yeah, that they used. What was that specifically? Um, it was the idea that like um, a soldier digs himself into a hole, um, and he just keeps digging himself deeper and deeper, and then another soldier walks in and jumps in with him. Yeah, and the first soldier is like, "What are you doing now? We're both trapped." And the second soldier says, um, "No, I've gotten out of this before." Right. And it's this idea that oh, a soldier can't help you get out. Right. Everyone else will keep telling you to dig, dig deeper, but a soldier is the only one who knows where you're coming from and they can help you kind of get out of there. Right. But he is uh, pushed by O'Connell, uh, the biggest dick probably of this <laughs> of this uh, of this show, a man who attends these meetings and is not a veteran, blatantly lying. Right. Uh, about his veteran status and pushing people. To purchase guns? Yes. What, what do you think about that character of, of O'Connor, who's currently like, you know, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take away our guns. They're, they're trying to take away our freedoms, you know? Uh, it made, it, I, I... Did you I, see that as a, as a caricature? Do you think it was a commentary? Uh, do you think these people actually exist? Oh, uh, I absolutely think they exist. They're just people who are like, who by any means will, will um, take up any character they need to in order to push an agenda. Yeah, it, it, I think it's no different than people who can honestly just go online anonymously and and present these things and and uh like present these characters. Yeah, that people can either relate to or sympathize with, and then push their agenda on them through that. Yeah, it reminds me of um, nor people who apparently like brandish these fake military like uniforms and 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 uh, ranks and whatnot it's just or, the silliest thing or just like fake military like military is often used as a scapegoat or not a scapegoat but like a, a talking point when people are trying to push their agendas yes. in the sense that i remember when colin kaepernick first started taking a kneel it would the idea was like well what about all the soldiers you know how many soldiers you're disrespecting and soldiers started to come out and be like no nah, we're cool with that yeah and it's like it's like wait were you speaking on the soldiers without ever being a soldier you're going to jump to an occlusion about what they would be Offended by and the how, same how thing, they feel, right? And the same thing. He's sitting in these meetings, go, how dare they take us, you know, for granted and do this? And everyone's looking at him like, what are you talking about? I like when Curtis. We first should started, buy more guns. I like what? when Curtis first started to be like, what? Why did you sign up? What did you, you know? And you can start seeing the the, the cracks, yeah, the cracks, and things start to unravel. Um, but Lewis kind of starts to believe him. There's mm-hmm. like handing out pamphlets about the Second Amendment rights and stuff. Yep. Um, and. Uh, my heartbreaking moment with Lewis is when he almost shot his pops. Yeah. When his pops almost came down, pulled out that gun, did shoot. He actually did shoot. He didn't kill us. He didn't kill his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his father, instead of like running away or scolding him, runs right at him and hugs him. 
and tries to like console him right because he realizes that his son is kind of you know going through a little it. broken maybe yeah is is going through it is lewis or was lewis uh too far gone um what was lewis's biggest uh issue that stopped him from um i guess having an opportunity of redemption. i guess rehabilitating or redemption or just being able to live a a, a happy life um, I think that's one of those things where it's just like he, the show directly juxtaposes juxtaposes him against Frank Castle, on the topic of PTSD because they try to blanketly label uh Frank as suffering from PTSD to you know as a way out of a uh the court issue yeah, and now they show you what it's like for someone who is truly suffering from that trauma of coming back from the war yeah and. I don't know, like, where where you can obviously state, like, yeah, sure, this guy could, like, try to make better decisions or try to see things from a different angle. I don't know how much of that mental scarring you can truly heal. Okay. Um, it, it, it's, it's real difficult because, like, now we're, we're talking about literal, like, synapses going off right. differently yeah. in your brain chemical and, balances and and and, like and the ability to not impulsively respond yeah. to any particular um, triggers and, trigger yeah. yeah any particular um <clears throat> how do you say um um arousal of any point yeah so like whereas me and you or anyone else could probably like you could see something that bothers you but before responding stop think about it assess and then maybe respond if you respond at all. But then there's just like you see something, it comes out. Yeah. If you don't have those filters, and I think if that if the, I think if that mental scarring is too deep, I don't know what you can do. Like it's it's one of my big sympathies. Like how do you come back from that? How do you feel about um what happened with him and Anvil? Do you think he was a fit for Anvil? Do you think if Billy wasn't an absolute maniac and lunatic, that a, a operation like Anvil would be the best place for somebody like Lewis? Or do you think that it was? I just thought his... they were right to turn him away. Okay. On like because I think you you have to be concerned about that, especially like even if you just look at it from a business standpoint, like yeah. this is a liability. Yeah. You know, th- this guy and his unhinged, unpredictable nature can get either innocent people killed or my guys killed if something triggers him and he starts making bad decisions. Yeah. So, nor on on some level, even though this is clearly what this guy wants, mm-hmm. on some level, like, isn't it kind of unethical to just throw him back in the war? Yeah. As much as it scarred him? But the opposite side of that is, how ethical is it to throw him just into the ocean of the world. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's, so a, it's a real tough call. Yeah, you're almost damned if you do, damned if you don't. And that's why I wonder, like, is it, it's not, it's definitely not Anvil's responsibility, right? No, not like, at all. And, I mean, maybe it's the world more than Anvil's <laughs> to be able to re um, reintegrate these people um, into society. They can certainly do a better job of it instead of just, like, here's a, you know, here's, here's a bag and a kiss on the ass and, you know... <laughs> I know that definitely I, I felt some of the things that were expressed in this uh, first season of The Punisher. They did a lot to do with PTSD and, and veterans and coming back home from war. Um, I think the initial the initial thing with uh, the military that a lot of veterans have an issue with when they come back is this idea that you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week with people working 
nonstop and you sleep with these people and mm-hmm. you eat with these people and you train like, with these like people. It's like you never come out of soldier space. Yeah. And so you 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 have this this group of people who end up becoming family, end up get, becoming a com- camaraderie and you never have to question their motives, their um you know what they're trying to get out of this or mm-hmm. any of that stuff because we're all working for the same goal. Right. And then you come back home and everyone seems to have their own motives and own goals and they're not all working to the same you're not all working for the same thing and that individual nature of living creates isolation yeah it's like well if i'm I'm the only one who cares about me then i guess i might as well just be alone you can come come back to a suit and tie job but now like you're working for a guy that just sees you as a number to pad his bills right and even though that those numbers exist in the army as well yes you're you're a number just like the guy to the right and left of you are numbers you know frank talks about how comfortable he was because of guys like Billy. The difference being is that, like, most times you signed up to the military for altruistic reasons, and those are the peop- those are the things fueling you. Yeah. You know, you don't get a job at an advertising firm for altruistic right, reasons. Right, like, I went you to gotta change pay the bills. Face. I went to face the change of advertising. <laughs> no, no, I get it. No, definitely. And um, that Brothers in Arms thing is a big thing in this, in this first season, where, mm-hmm. um, I... Billy is a brother in arms, you yes. know, um, Curtis is a brother in arms and they trust each other to a level that, you know, it, even as far removed from the military as they are, that trust goes deep and yes. that, and those lines of loyalty go deep. And so when you find out that Billy was in on all the stuff with Agent Orange and killing Frank, Frank really reels from that. The, yeah. the realization from that really changes what that character's mentality is and kind of um, reinstates the fact to him that like, you shouldn't get close to anybody. Right. You shouldn't. You shouldn't invest in, in especially when human you, beings. when the when the roots of Billy's sort of uh, how you say I guess you could say betrayal like runs even deeper. Yeah, because then it's not just the operation, but also it's like oh, Billy knew about what happened to your family. Yeah, yeah. He um, he almost let you know, kind of let it happen. Yeah, and you see those moments of like Billy with Frank's family, mm-hmm. and it makes it, it hammers at home how close he was to their family. And uh, what this betrayal means. But you have this betrayal and Billy killing people juxtaposed with Billy and Angel Madani. Kind mm-hmm. of in a budding... What do you call that? Relationship? Um, the, I, I'd say it was because I, I... Didn't she mention that it was a year? At one point in season two when she's being interrogated, they mentioned that it was a year. Did you know it was a year? I, I did not, like actually. it was a year. I did not. But apparently they had been together for a year. Yeah, Punisher season one seems to take place over a week. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was longer <laughs> time than that. That was a hell of a week. Yeah, it was right. Um, yeah, but you have uh, you have Russo there, and he's kind of charismatic with Nadani. You know? Yeah, he's kind of uh, cool, calm, cool, and pretty collected, Billy. and pretty Billy. Pretty and, Billy. And um, do you think it uh? Do you think it was her fault for falling for all that kind of stuff? Or do you think... What do you see um, Nadani's mind state when dealing with a guy like Billy Russo? Uh, I th- I think she was as swept up as anyone would be. Like, like Billy has a way with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? I, I definitely had that feeling in season two, um, without spoiling anything, is this idea that Billy knows how to make people feel important. Yeah. And that may come from the fact that he had kind of a shitty childhood. Mm-hmm. And so he knows how to... Uh, get what he wants out of people. Yes, because he never had anything, so he has to get them out of people. So he finds ways to um to maneuver and manipulate 
and stuff like that. But, but I also I I also felt like there was an idea that like Billy knows how to how to press the buttons of what people want from other people because yeah. he knows what he did get. Yeah. So that 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 issue that he has that's repeated several times that like Billy always feels alone and unloved. Yeah. He knows what buttons to press to make people feel that feel loved and like appreciated. Something that gets questioned kind of in season two. Do you think that Billy Russo had actual feelings for Madani? Um, that I'm not sure about. Not sure. Yeah, me either. I don't, I don't think know. I don't think he ever makes himself readable in that sense. Right. Because he it, it it was always so easy for him to just turn that corner when it was time to. There's a scene. You know, he uh, he actively kills Madani's uh, partner. Yes, Sam Stein. And there's a scene where she's coming to him at the hotel to confront him because she thinks it might be him mm-hmm. and he plays it off as like legitimately hurt even though he actually has killed this man right so i can't tell if he's playing it as hurt in front of her if he's playing that he's hurt that he got caught or if he's just like oh man i'm she's t- she's hip to all this right so i can't really you're right i can't read whether he is upset that this relationship is now a casualty to the really dirty stuff that he's now in Mm-hmm. Or if this relationship is only a result of the dirty stuff right. that he's in, you know that he's using this relationship like every every other relationship that he has to get um, what he wants out of it. it, it it's I want to believe sometimes that like it is an act because like the shady stuff just seemed natural to him too. Yeah, like the the, the shady stuff with the anvil um, uh, missions or whatnot. That stuff all seems just as natural to him. Yeah, you know all his dealings with Rollins and all his dealings with um, <clears throat> uh, the issues with uh the things he does to Frank, like and the Assassin's Creed blade in his in his wrist. Yes, that that's like, also a big right, right, right. <laughs> like a normal man does not just <laughs> uh, uh have uh, uh what's that called retractable blade that yeah. shoots out of his wrist so he can stab people. And, in the and, neck. Uh, um. And even at the end, where he's sort of like screaming at Frank, like, "Like this is who we are. We're not good people." Yeah, you know that. I We've guess... always been criminals, Alfred. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, 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 I guess those are the moments where, um, where Billy's being honest. Okay. And maybe Frank's the only person he is honest to at that point, to some degree. I'm not sure. But is that is that an opinion that he's derived? Because of the things that he's done, or did he have those things, and so it was easier to do? Like, did he think before Cerberus that he's just a bad guy? So whatever bad things he does is just a result of him being that, right. or is that something that you tell yourself after you've done the bad things? Is like, okay, now I have no, there is no redemption at this point because of everything I've done. I might as well keep doing bad. Right. I, I think that's an interesting question because um, eventually the memory is wiped. Yeah. You know, and so. With no recollection, you're almost allowed to be better. You are. Whereas he almost says that we are the actions. We're, we are bound by the actions that we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Those things label us and uh, allow people to judge us more than anything else. And so because he's he has been a shitty hand of this weird covert operation, mm-hmm. he is destined to be bad forever. And because Frank has killed in the name of this operation as well, that he's just a bad guy. He's a bad man. And right. that they, there is no redemption for guys like them. They are literally guys that people point thing point at things and they shoot. Right. Um, operatic. Um, and I also think that kind of removes a little bit of personal responsibility, right? 
It does. If you say, like, oh, I'm here to kill, and that's just what I'm here to do, then you don't ever have to question if killing is right. No. Because that's what you're there to do. As far as you're concerned, that, that was your that was your uh, your mission. Yeah. It's what you were put here for. Why why would you question it? Yeah. Like, there's a reason I'm good at this. Um, Punisher deals a lot with this idea that there's always corruption at the top, that mm-hmm. somebody at the top is, is tipping the scales a little bit more than they should. Um, and I think between season one and season two, there's a real, well, even the matter of fact, the entire portrayal of this character, there's a real big idea of like mass cover-ups, right? Like yes. just, just like nationwide cover-ups or nationwide, um, fake news about, you know, like suspects or whatever, mm-hmm. like the sensationalism of, of big government and, uh, their overreach of, um, you know, and what they feel they can tell people, what they feel they should tell people, what face um, things like the CIA need to have yes. um, in front of the public. Uh, but ultimately, do you think that puts a pessimistic look on all that? Or do you think that that's, that's 2020? Like, I think people always have a very pessimistic look on it, though. Um, on, like, corporation, like, just, like, yeah. that corruption and, and that not everybody in all good power can be all good? Um, not that kind, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. Th- I think there's always the idea that, like, nobody gets... To the- Nobody gets to, t- to the top of corporation without stepping on someone to get there. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, like, like it's just, it's stairs made of bones. Yeah. But. Um, and you kind of get the the um, mentality of um, the, like, the big lie with Harvey Dent in mm-hmm. Dark Knight Rises. Like, this is something that was probably shady that happened, but if we can clean it up and make it seem like something that was. Right noble then maybe we can move the society in a noble we, way we, because we, of this cause we use the lie to cultivate something good out of it yeah and thus hopefully we can we can absolve ourselves of the lie by saying but look what we created right exactly <laughs> we stopped the mass murder punisher you know nothing we did nothing to him he right. just was a crazy ptsd soldier and we put him down to stop him from killing other innocents and that's a lot of what they try to push in season right. one like, we don't know where this guy we came from. We created the giant squid monster. But right. we get along with Russia now. Exactly. <laughs> hey, don't talk. Did you see the cover of the newspaper today? It's like nuclear. <laughs> There's literally like a nuclear bomb on the cover of the newspaper. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because it's some kind of weird nuclear stuff that's going on with Russia right now. But who the hell knows? Um, They're going to sell more Watchmen books for it. Ultimately, Frank is allowed to do what he has to do. And we get a pretty cool standoff between him and Russo at a carousel. Um, I was like, man, you're really gonna take him back to the carousel, bro. Like yeah. that, that's that was de- that that's was a little, that's a little blow, man. That was and, dark. Uh, yeah, he brings him to the carousel, and um, they have basically a shootout. Agent Donnie just shot in the head. I thought she was done. I thought she was done as well, and I also kind of laughed at myself because Frank didn't run to her right away. Like she yeah. got shot to the head, and he's like, "Well, I got things I still got to do." Like ah, that sucks. That sucks. sucks. And I think when he does see her, he says something like, "Like, damn it, Madani! <laughs> like, <laughs> why'd you have to go get yourself shot for?" But um. No, they they fight it out, and Frank, man, that scene is hard to watch to me of him just. I've like, not seen it since the first time. He just like the the sounds and the screams of Billy. He's smashing Billy's head into this glass mm-hmm. and rubbing it against, and literally punching Scra- his head in the back, like, scraping him across shard glass. And then he's like punching him in the back of the head, so his front of his face keeps crashing into the into the glass, and he's just like this bloody mangled mess. And um, Billy begs for death, but Frank says death is too easy. Living every day is a lot harder. And that's something that they've said, I think, a couple of times in here because yeah. people accuse Frank of being suicidal. Do you think 
Frank is suicidal in season one? No. I no. just think he's not afraid of it. Okay. Like, that's not the... If that's the biggest threat, that's... You're almost guaranteeing him time with his family. Yeah. And so, like... Like, the, like, like what's the worst that could happen? I die, I, I, I go back to, you know... Yeah. I, I go see my family in the sky or whatever. Yeah. Um, But other than that, like, I don't think death is something he's concerned about. No. Also, I, I think he's resigned to the idea that, like, on some level, his time's going to come. Obviously, this is the life he's living. Yeah, uh, dude, I think that's something also said in Daredevil, right? It's like, you like you murder people, one day something is all going to come back yeah. to you. And what are you going to do when that happens? And he's all like, eh. Well, they better not miss. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, it, let it happen. And I think they also say that, someone says that while he's in the hospital, it's like, he kills people, and they're like, well, I guess somebody got him back for it, finally. Mm. Or whatever, when he, when he gets shot up. Um, and I guess, yeah, we can't talk about Punisher and season one without the a massive amount of fucking oh a massive amount of just <laughs> gore and and violence and not only that the uh, massive amount of damage that Punisher is able to take um in this season and other yeah. seasons and and kind of just get away with it how do you how do you feel did you feel it ever took you out of the show um the healing factor of Frank Castle um to a degree uh, I. I I didn't let it bother me too much because I had to resign myself to the fact that this is still the same universe with like the blind kung fu man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying to think, like, I'm trying to think of really like um, blatant examples of that in season one. I'm having a hard time. The first thing I think of is season two when that truck falls off the <laughs> that truck falls um, off the cliff. Um, the 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 scene where he's like. Dealing with the Irish mobsters and like oh, they yeah. they just wreck him. They put a drill through his foot. Yeah, <laughs> all he, sorts of terrible things he do to him. He just like, he pulls out a razor blade from his forearm and just gets to work. No, now you're making me remember Agent Orange. Yes, Agent Orange with those like beat steeled gloves. Hell out of this man. That was hard to watch. That was hard. Like the constant Is that what he punching. Had? Did he had like laughing. steel in his gloves. Yeah, he had some sort of like like. Uh, what do they call knuckle dusters? <laughs> yeah, he had some sort of like um, enhancement, and he was just beating the hell out of Frank. And Frank was just like, "You hit like a, like a bitch." And I was like, <laughs> that, that was making me laugh. But like watching the Donnie watch the cameras of of this happen, I thought was yeah. like really uh, man, it was hard to watch. But my man Frank got his just desserts because after after the boneheaded mistake of deciding to you want to like. Dog out Billy Russo, the only man helping you keep Frank Castle, you know, um, under wraps in this. He just wants to talk to Billy Russo like he's crazy. Yeah. So Billy lets Frank go, and Frank kills Agent Orange, literally beats him to death, and then plunges his thumbs into his, his eye sockets. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that that was, that was something? disgusting? I do think that they built Rollins up to that though, where you're like, yeah, oh no, like I yeah, get it, like get he some. deserved it. <laughs> It it was it was definitely like a righteous moment, but at the same time, I again that's not another scene I want to go back and watch. Yeah, um, and the only thing I only thing I'd go back and watch about it, honestly, I remember watching it live and just going, Billy really feels an interesting way about this situation. Yeah, because like like we we built up Billy Russo now as like the evil guy, but like he's sitting there watching Frank get beat up, and he's like, he's got this blank face. But you can tell he's not too happy about this either. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he just disagreed with Rollins being the one to beat him. I don't know. I actually think it's it was the enjoyment. 
Okay. I don't. I don't think he ever enjoyed the idea that Frank would either have to be killed or um, punished or any of that kind of stuff. I think he was able to legitimize it in his head because if Frank got what he wanted, Billy would lose everything that Billy had. And right. so to him, in his mind, it was like, well, if we got to do something to Frank so that I keep everything, like, why would Frank want to take those things from me? You know, um, how do I, you know, I'm justifying this as I don't want to lose anything. So if he has to be put out of the way, it is what it is. Right. And when he comes downstairs and Rollins is actively laughing, yeah, you know, like, like legit enjoying it. And he almost wants Billy to enjoy it too. Right. I think that's when Billy's like, nah, this has gone a little bit too far. Like that guy's still my boy. I had justified it because I felt like my boy was trying to take something from me. But now you're kind of playing all of us. Like you've dumped yeah. all of us in this kind of like we're obedient dogs that just do whatever right. you whatever you say. And um, I wonder, like, can you use that mo- that moment to infer that Billy does still care about Frank? That Billy does. Uh, or was that, either was that, that a pride he, either thing? That he, either that he does still care about Fink a little bit, or that a part of him still despises Wallace. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, there's also the idea that Billy was a, was the kind of person that was always dis, disregarded yeah. and discredited. You know, he went from group home to group home. He didn't have a very, um, you know, uh, financially stable life. No. And so, to the rest of the world, he was probably looked at the way Rollins looked at him or he was spoken to the way Rollins spoke to him and I think that that triggered like you know what nah you know I know I'm poor and I know I'm not I mean I have as much money and influence as you but I think he reverted back to like street level Billy of like Mm-hmm. You can you can get it too. Like you yeah. can get these ends too. Totally. Um but I he still actively wanted Frank dead cuz he goes out of his way to still um you know hunt Frank down until they have that show down at the um have a little murder off. Yeah, they have a little murder <laughs> off. Who can murder the most? Who can have the most murder uh, at the carousel? Um, after Nadani gets shot, she comes back to uh, life. They can't kill that woman. And so she nah. she comes back to life. Um, and two... Dina Madani is a survivor. Two important things happen. One, she is the one who chooses to give Frank a clean slate, mm-hmm. speak to her boss, and uh, give Frank a clean identity as Pete Cags- Castiglione. Um... And the second thing that happens that we find out happens in season, uh, we find out happened in season two is that she gives a kind of false testimony about how things happen and plays more into what they wanted to play into, which is her negligence as an officer is right. what led to all of this going wrong. Mm-hmm. And they pin everything on Billy Russo, even some of the stuff that Frank did. Right. They pin it all on Billy Russo, but that Billy was able to do this to the extent because uh, Madani wasn't thinking clearly. Right. Um, I yeah, it's one of those things that we got out of um uh when they try to teach you how to cut a promo in pro wrestling, which is like you tell some of the truth so that they don't know when you started lying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And a lot of it lines up, and we do have the big bad, right? Mm-hmm. He's in he's in the hospital. Billy Russo's in the hospital. Yep. Um, his hands are on everything, you know. And now that Agent Orange is dead, a lot of that stuff points to them. We have definitive proof, mm-hmm. so we can excuse Frank. Lock up somebody for real, but we so need like your... if we can definitively connect him to these crimes, we can just pin the rest on him because it's like yeah, sure, I guess he did all those things too. Yeah, and people don't really <laughs> if it, as long as it sounds like it makes sense. People, as we've seen in the show, people don't really care. Yeah, you know they, when when it sounded like it made sense that Frank was a PTSD out soldier just killing for killing sake, people were willing to believe that lie. Right. Um, real quick, let's talk about the death of Lewis, um, because I wanna I wanted to um ask you. What do you think Frank feels about 
other soldiers with PTSD. Uh, I th- I think there's a, a legitimate sympathy. Yeah. Um, I I imagine is like there's a deep like I guess a hurt for him there. Yeah. Especially with the fact that there is no um, there's no official rehab rehabilitation now. Rehabilitation. Yeah. For them. Yeah. You know they they can like they can offer you go somewhere but like there's there's nothing to do or nothing that like, there's no way to pay for it for a lot of those guys. Yeah, in this especially case, if you didn't really save your money coming out of it. And it goes from building a foxhole to building actual bombs. Right? Yes. Actively trying to, to take innocent lives. Um, and by the end of it, he almost coaxes him to commit suicide. Right. Is that a, this is what you deserve? Or is that a, lay all this to rest? Like, you, this is... I think that's almost like this is... It's almost a, this is the best way out for you. Yeah. Like, or I didn't know like, if he was... If he was like trying to coax him like in a bully way, right? Or if he's trying to coax him into like, like this is like you were saying, like this is the best with everything that you've done. It if only you gets really, worse. If from you here. really, if you really believe that this world's shit, just take yourself out of it because instead the of other, the only people, other, the only other result from this right now is you go to prison in your current mental state, and it gets a heck of a lot worse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, did you feel for Lewis? Um, at when it got to that point, when it got to the bombing point. I, I just felt bad that I felt like I felt like there's just a loss of impulse control there, and like it's I as I said before, I feel bad because I feel like I how do you fix that? Yeah, how do you fix someone who's come back from the things they've seen and is so scarred that like these terrible decisions are getting made because there's no way to fix what's screwed up in their head. Yeah, um, and that that mental illness is seems just so untreatable. Yeah. It 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 is only sparingly manageable. Right. And that only depends on how far gone you are. And that that's a that's a actual um mentality that trauma is not curable, it's manageable. Right. That you do you never are without it. You live with it and find ways right. to live with it. Like the only an- the only answer for a lot of these people which is horrifying and debilitating is to like load yourself up on medication yeah which is a skeleton lifestyle no definitely you know when i first got home i had trouble sleeping and they had me on some kind of sleeping medication that made me feel like a zombie i stopped taking it because it was just like this weird you were like watching your body move around that that, that's the term i hear a lot there were just people who were just like it's this out of body like you're 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 there but like you're just uh, and it's like yeah so you don't you almost droning through existence it almost makes you angrier yeah. that the answer the the public answer to your trauma is to make you die like, right. you know it's to kind of like um drug you up and uh that is a problem that's a problem and i you hope may that, as well just put the trank dart in your arm yourself yeah that is a problem and i think that's a problem that uh we have to ultimately uh you know fix to finish up season one, let's talk about what Frank's idea of family is with him kind of adopting Micro's family for a little bit. Uh, the stuff that he, the interactions he has with them and the interactions he has with Sarah. Is that her name? I think her name is Sarah, and I think his real wife's name is Maria. Okay. So, um, Micro tells him to watch over his family, and um, because he has cameras everywhere, and his family thinks that he's dead, and Frank does uh, stop by. 
and he seems Frank to, almost does too good of a job. Yes. <laughs> um, he's like he's like helping the garage. He's helping the headlights. He's bringing flowers. He's getting kisses uh, over bottles of rosé. Um, and uh, what did you what did you think about that family? I found some some people felt they were annoying. Some people felt they were essential. Uh, how do you think about that arc in this? I was fine with the family. I I, I understood it, and I thought it got a. This was the only opportunity you were going to see where it's just like, oh, this is this is good guy Frank Castle. Yeah. This is it. This is a snippet or an idea of who he was before all of this. Yeah. Like he was a good dude who helped out around the house and you know was 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 handy with house stuff. Like you could depend on him to fix the freaking toilet. Yeah. You know. He did, and, he just, did, and he did slip into it pretty simply, like it's pretty yeah. easily. It's almost like he wanted it. It's almost like. This was his natural role. The same way he slips into the Punisher stuff. Right. Like, this is him. That Although he was going over by a, a fake alias, uh-huh. he he is that man. How do you feel about uh, um, him finding out the son had a knife? Um, That was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, he gets it all in the sun. He face. handled it in an interesting way, which I'm, I wasn't completely against, but it was a bit aggressive. Yeah. I do like when he, when he ramps up that way, though. I do... I, I don't know. I think it kind of reminds me of my training. That there is right. certain stuff that is not jokeable. It's non-negotiable. Right. You know, uh, wanting to harm other people, having active plans to harm other people, having weapons to harm other people, I don't think is negotiable. So when we want to talk about it in a joking matter, I think sometimes you need to see how serious it gets. Yeah. Uh, that kid was like, what, nine? So I don't know if, if that works Maybe there. not. And what about, like, he puts the knife to the kid's throat and the kid's like, do it. Just do it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, what the heck is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is going on? And he slaps his sister. And he's like, we're all a bunch of snitches. That's all we're ever going to be. And I'm like, this kid's going through it. But yeah. Micro, it's going through it because of Micro. Right. Um, did you feel that? Did you feel that Micro should just show back up? Or did you understand the, the, the dangers? I didn't. So. I, I. 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 don't think you could just show back up because, like, I think all that's going to do is like. It, it. It's just going to sort of double the trauma. Yeah. Because if you're like, there's no. I mean, obviously, you can't gradually find yourself into that position, but at the same time, like, if you just show up, then it's like, wait, where have you been? Yeah. This was all a lie. Yeah. What have you done to us? Yeah. <laughs> and we do get that, right? Uh, we do get that when he eventually goes into custody. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like, what? This is all a lie. Let's screw in the bathroom. There's a lot that goes down. A lot of, <laughs> with, a lot of emotions. <laughs> there's a lot of emotions that goes down with uh, with him and Sarah. But um, ultimately, when everything is seemingly, uh, you know, the dust is settled and the smoke is cleared and Frank's name is cleared and Michael's name is cleared and everyone is able to live a happy life, he choose, Frank chooses to not join uh, Micro for dinner, for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that choice? Um, I I thought Frank found I I think Frank found that house a little weird for him now. Yeah, I kind of kissed your wife, man. <laughs> you know, it's a little weird. I kind of kissed your wife. Um, is that him refusing another family again? Is that him choosing not to get close to other people? I mean, to a degree, especially since it's not his family anyway, and and and, and some of those things happened that were kind of weird. I, yeah. It, it's it's not his family to have, right? So he just stayed out of it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, and, and also because I believe that Frank, in some way, believes all he can do is bring harm to that family because he is who he is. Yeah, and like he'll he'll probably doesn't believe he's going ever going to be free of these problems. Okay, that yeah. he's created for himself willingly. Yeah, he yeah he kind of sort of has. 
Um, and so that's how season one ends. Frank has a uh, clean name, at least in mm-hmm. society. Yeah, and um, has a chance to get his life back. Yeah, Russo is in the hospital, seemingly knocked out. Um, Madani's in the hospital, but she's seemingly gonna make a recovery. Curtis is is you know a little bit taken aback by uh, uh, some of the stuff that Frank does or some of the stuff the other veterans have done, but he's he's alive and well. Yeah, and that's um pretty much the only people that we're gonna be carrying over to season two. Um, when season two opens up, Frank is basically retired, right? He's he's moved to Michigan. I th- I think so. Or at least he's passing through. Yes. Um. And he's just hanging out by a bar. He sees this woman named Beth. They flirt around. They sleep around. And Frank seems to be ready to get back to having a regular a regular life. Um, this show goes to lengths to show. Now, this is the second time, right? Because he tried that whole mm-hmm. Pete Leone stuff with the construction. This is the second time that's kind of showing us or telling us um, that Frank isn't really allowed to be happy. Right. Um, do you think this answers that? Do you think that this season or the show itself is trying to tell us that either A, he's not allowed to be, or B, he is allowed to be as long as that happiness comes with him shooting a bunch of, <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of people? Uh, I always, I, I, I went right into that second season remembering that line where he says, like, he, he's, for the first time in his life, he's a little scared because he doesn't have a water fight. Yeah. So, like, I kept wondering how that was going to play into this season, and it seemed like the first episode wanted you to believe that maybe he had started to adjust. Yeah. So he's like, he's just hanging out with his bar. He's made friends with the bartender and like, oh, okay. They started to sleep around and like, he, he is immediately honest with this woman about who he is because it's just like, if it's gone this far, it could get further and I may as well start now. And if it doesn't go further, like, I literally have no other connections anyway, so right. I'll just go to another town. You know, I'll just I can easily just skip town, just get in my Get in my van my and my big find old place. scary black Punisher van. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I handle that. Um, so I mean, would you say that season two is Frank trying not to be the Punisher? To a degree, yes. Still kind of either subconsciously or consciously being roped in to all that stuff because he it, in that first episode he kind of isn't the Punisher. He kind of just is Pete. Right, and I assume I assume that he hasn't done anything because now like the Punisher is, um almost a celebrity yeah so like oh he's oh don't forget he's dead again too. right right <laughs> he's dead again he died uh, you know everyone so, thinks he's dead again so like any <laughs> sighting of the punisher like he can't do that stuff completely in the dark yeah because like there's only so many bodies and so many gunshots you can you know let out without being seen or heard right yes so i i i believe that he hasn't done anything because nobody knows about it that makes sense he doesn't want to make a big no. hoopla. Like, the moment anything goes down, like, it's a headline. Yes. And and, and the motive. And knowing the way... Go ahead. Or the way, like, the, like, the scene would usually dictate only one person, right? right? <laughs> like, you right. Know. And, and, and knowing the way that journalism works, like, if there was even something, like, slightly resembling it, it would be, like, Punisher he's Returns? He's gotta be back. Yeah, he's gotta be back. Or there's gotta be copycats. Right, or Someone's Punisher copycat, doing, you know. Someone's doing Punisher stuff, right? Exactly. So that that he stayed that he has stayed out of the headlines leads me to believe that he's not done anything since season one. I also think that this is in this season that he is referred to as a shit magnet. Is that do you think that that's a <laughs> apropos? Uh, uh, um, to to I guess to, to a call degree. Frank? I don't know what the I don't know what the time jump is between one and two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not clear, is it? Um, 
Frank meets Amy Bendix, played by uh, Georgia Wingham. Is that how you do it? Yeah. Um, I if you want to talk about this character, you can. I was not a fan <laughs> of Amy. I I felt that Amy was a walking plot contrivance. Contrivance? Yeah, I felt like or plot convenience. Okay. Um, I felt like whenever they wanted things to go a certain way. Mm-hmm. Amy would make them go that way because if Amy wasn't in that situation, it wouldn't have gone that way. Sure. There's a moment where I was watching the last episode, and um, I mean, it doesn't matter, spoiler here, but uh, sh- uh, the main antagonist at this point is a man named uh, John Pilgrim, played by Josh Stewart. And John Pilgrim's in his hotel. First of all, John Pilgrim does not have the girl, and the entire show, he's trying to get the girl. Yes. John Pilgrim parks the car in a in a in a like in a hotel parking lot and goes up to his hotel room to remove shotgun uh you know uh bird, yeah uh, what's that called bird shot from his leg or whatever okay. and um she you see that she's in his car and she opens the trunk first thing I say out loud is okay now leave go right. to, <laughs> but then she sees that there's a shotgun in the car and so I'm like okay hide behind the car. Wait for him to show up. You got him. Boom, right. he's dead. You ain't got nothing to worry about. But she goes all the way to his to hotel his room. To his hotel door. To his hotel door. Knocks on the door and then hides behind the corner. So I'm already, I'm already mad, right? But then she eventually calls Frank. So I'm like, oh, cool. Because Frank didn't know where she was at. Right. So I'm like, okay, now Frank knows where she's at. Okay, Frank, you know what to do. You tell her to get as far away from this hotel as possible. You handle the stuff with Pilgrim. And everything is good. No, she wants to come along. And because she comes along, she then gets captured by Pilgrim. Right. When Pilgrim never had her. Right. Never had her. All the way up to episode 13, he has her. So Pilgrim. And is basically on one leg now. Pilgrim and Frank get into this really bloody, like, uh, parking lot trailer fight, right? At the end of episode 13. And that entire thing ha- happens because Curtis acts unilaterally. Mm-hmm. And because Amy got captured. Yes. And so I'm like, why is everyone in Frank's way in season two? I feel like in season two, well, legitimately... Well, well, let's, let's, let's just call it out right here. How, how did you feel about season two as a whole? I did not like season two, to tell okay. you the truth. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The last two episodes won me over a lot more than, than a lot of it. Did they? Yes. Um, um, the, you know, the Punisher just being the Punisher stuff always works for me. And... Um, there was just a lot, like, I felt that first episode was really slow with okay. all the Beth stuff. Right. You know, they show Beth, him or her and Beth before sex, her and Beth during sex, her and Beth the morning after sex, her and Beth, him and Beth at the bar, him and Beth, you no, know. No, don't, don't, don't forget, don't forget him and Beth and the kid. Oh, yeah, him and Beth and the kid having breakfast again, pancakes. Yes. You know, like, they really spent a lot of time on that. And maybe I, I did start to wonder and worry in my own head. What am I watching this show for? If I'm being, if I'm not being entertained by this, am I subconsciously coming here for a different reason? Do I? Am I subconsciously thinking I'm getting a different show? And was is that my fault? Was I told? Well, that it's I was because getting... we have work to do. Oh, that's, <laughs> also, that's also true. That's also true. But no, I gotta say what you mean. I didn't feel like it gave. It had the same um, gravitas that this first season had. Right. Um, and it's mostly because I think that. The time was spent trying to tell two different, very loaded stories. Okay. 
Um, the first story is this idea of vengeance coming back to get Frank. Um, yes. Billy Russo has awoken, and even though he can't remember what Frank did to him, he eventually finds out that Frank has something against him, and therefore that gives him something to have against Frank. Yes. Um, and so this idea that your skeletons in your closet, the things that you do, and the bad things that you say you do for the greater good might and probably will come back to haunt you. Right. And I think that's a very poignant and good um, um, story beat story arc to have, but they don't give it all to that because they have this side story with John Pilgrim and this you're not so different, you and I stuff. I um, My family's tied up into something um, where... I am constantly fighting for my family's life and their survival. Mm -hmm. And that's why I go to the great lengths and the gratuity of violence that I do. I am put in this position because people put me in this position and this is what I'm good at. And so I'm only here. Let me be what I'm meant to be. Something that it said um, in the series multiple times. And I feel like um, right when you feel like you're getting into the, the nitty gritty of the Russo stuff, you're thrown into the Pilgrim stuff. And right when you feel like you're getting in the nitty-gritty of the Pilgrim stuff, you're thrown in the Russo stuff. And when both get to the heights of excitement, Amy shows up. <laughs> and, Amy, <laughs> and Amy has a, this is what Amy does when I'm bored montage. Amy right. has a, this is what I do with a credit card montage. Amy has a, let me train with a gun montage. Let me get, let me have a, a getting uh, like a silly outfit montage. And I wasn't there for any of that. And the loss of Micro, man. Golly, I didn't realize how much I liked that character when when he was gone. Because I don't think that she... She had probably as much time in the series as he had uh-huh. in the first. Um, and I don't think that it's a comparable switch. Oh, uh, it's, it's not a comparable switch. I, I, this, I felt like the second season definitely had an, an issue with focus. Because like, it felt like you would get three issues dedicated to the Billy Russo problem. And then we'd go back to John Pilgrim. Right, and and the time spent without Pilgrim almost makes things feel disconnected in a way. Like, oh yeah, what were we doing here? Right. Like, oh yeah, what was this about? And it's almost like each problem had its own set of characters. Yes. So it's like, okay, this this is a this is a Pilgrim villain episode, so we have to deal with um, Frank, Amy, Pilgrim, and all the uh, how do you say um, auxiliary characters that surround those people, right? Like the um, like the Schultz family that's very much like manipulating John Pilgrim to do their their bidding, uh, and then and then Madani doesn't even come into the Pilgrim stuff at all. No, she's purely Madani there for the is Russo the Billy stuff. Russo story. Yeah. that's when you get that's when you get Frank Curtis Billy um Chris Demont. Yeah, played by uh, what was it Floriana Lima? Yeah, like of Maggie Sawyer fame. From each Supergirl. story has its own set of characters, and and Frank is constantly weaving through them. And I hated it because it made it feel like he had no agency. He was pushed by Madonna to do this, and then he was pushed by Amy to do that, and then he's pushed by Curtis to do this, and then he's pushed by uh anyone at that and point. And then they Ricky both feel that. like they end separately. Yeah, like they don't. And he doesn't end either one. I mean, he ends the Russo one, kind of, but it was ending. (laughs) You know, like, he doesn't end either one. One of the guys still in the wind. (laughs) So it's like, what? What What are we doing? I mean, he he ends the pilgrim problem by redirecting the problem elsewhere. Yeah. And then shoots that problem in the head. Yes, yes. Uh, We are introduced to um, Anderson, Eliza, and David Schultz. These are uh, members of the Schultz family. Anderson and Eliza are very um, powerful, wealthy 
um, socialites that are also um, extremely religious. Yes. And um, they donate and they have a lot of influence and power. And um, they are able to coerce a man, a former white supremacist named uh, John Pilgrim, who was a I want to I want to say he was like a hitman. He was into some kind of you yeah. know dirty body disposal in New York City. Right. Before joining into this religion, um, being mentored by Eliza and Anderson, and meeting his wife. Mm-hmm. Um. He then then his wife succumbs to I want to say it was cancer. Possibly. Probably just some it, illness. It, it, it never, they never really seem to state what she's dealing with. If they don't state it, it's McGregor syndrome. So his of wife, <laughs> his wife, <laughs> succumbs to McGregor syndrome. That 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 uh callous beast <laughs> that is McGregor syndrome. <laughs> and um, because Eliza and Anderson are uh wealthy and are paying for her um, like her medication and her procedures, mm-hmm. they enlist John to go and find salacious pictures of their son david who um is a closeted homosexual senator Mm -hmm. so david is caught kissing men uh amy and her group of uh newsies grab (laughs) grab um, a bunch of the pictures and are gonna go sell them to the russians Mm -hmm. but pilgrim gets there first kills the russians kills all the kids but amy and the rest of the series is him trying to get the pictures from amy um to deliver back to Anderson and Eliza. Kind of makes him feel like a poor, uh, poor weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you wait, did, did you not think to check under the bed? Yes. Yeah, because was, she was under the bed the entire time. <laughs> and um, he goes to Michigan and still doesn't get it done. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then Madani shows up with the helicopter. <laughs> Madani X Machina shows up. Right. Um, but... You never in this time does Pilgrim look like he's having a good time. No, he always looks pained and burdened. Um, he talks very softly and he talks in a very direct manner. There's an accent there, right? Yeah, there is like some sort of Eastern European kind of thing. I'm not good seems... at I'm not good at putting my finger on those. But, no, um, it's just it just like some sort of European. It felt like yeah. Um, and with him, you get uh this idea and this question of. Is you is who you were all you're capable of being. You know, he was a former hitman and he seems to keep trying to be away from that life and just raise his sons. Um and Frank allows him that freedom. Right. Um, but is all he is meant to be what he's done before is all is 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 the culmination and the um average of his past actions and mistakes is I see the result of that. Is that is he trapped to being a result of that or can he I think he believes he is on the guise of, like, he's looking at it from, like, a power he can't control standpoint. Okay, yeah. Because of his religious aspect. Yeah. Like, I think he's he's thinking of it as, like, I am just sort of a piece on this giant chessboard that God is playing. And, like, if God believes I'm supposed to be this, then this is who I'm supposed to be. But really, like... At the same time, it it, it it doesn't speak to the idea of, like, well, were you meant to be a racist? Because you got past that part. No, Supposedly. You, no, what you're saying is definitely true, because when he has a conversation with Amy in the car, uh, Amy's like, well, you know, are you kidding me? Frank Castle will kill you. And he's like, well, God is going to choose who's righteous. Yeah. Like, he almost seems reserved in this idea that he might die. But mm-hmm. if he does... That's what it was, was meant chosen. to be. It was chosen, yeah. That, that um, it, It's meant to be. Someone else who's dealing with this is uh, who you were or you'll ever be is my man, Billy Russo. Mm-hmm. He wakes up um, from his... Uh, coma? Coma? Yeah. He he 
Well, he was. He seemed like he was awake at the end of the first season. But they also had a bunch of. Up. They also had a bunch of like scenes of him having therapy. Yeah. And so that's where we meet the therapist, um, Krista Dumont, uh, and she seems to be really trying to rehabilitate Billy before Billy holds her hostage and uses her to break out of the hospital. Yes. Um, then he goes and kills somebody who molests him as a child. Yeah. <laughs> because he can't seem to remember anything after his service. Right. He can remember his service, his childhood, all that stuff. But when it comes to after his service, i.e. the killing of Frank's family. Yes. <laughs> Anvil and all the and the shooting of Madani in the head. All the real major big things that he's done, the bad things that he's done, he cannot seem to remember. Um, after killing that person that sexually assaulted him, he goes back to Krista's house because he doesn't know where anywhere else to go. And she allows him in, thus tying their little devil's knot of uh, of co- cohesion? Co- coercion. Coercion? Yes. Yes. How do you feel about that turn? That Harley Quinn-esque turn <laughs> of uh, of Miss Dumont falling in love with her, her, her fractured patient. It felt foreshadowed. Like, I felt like I saw it coming. Yeah? Yeah. Um, if, if, if maybe only because I felt like I knew Floriana Lima was going to play a bigger part in the show. Or did, be- did you know did you know that? It, um in the stuff seeing her talk about it it seemed like they had definitely pegged her as like a long-term player. Yeah. And like I wasn't sort of su- I I really wasn't surprised that she let him in for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely felt like there was a strong sympathy there for her, that she had for him. And like the lengths that she went to sort of defend him to other people. Yes. Especially Agent Madani. Right, right. And those were all uncomfortable scenes when you realize how close Madani was to Uso. Yes. And her act, her, her active hate. This is somebody who goes and visits this man at the hospital just to talk smack. Yeah. <laughs> Drunk. Like she yeah, was I was like, oh, it's going to come back to bite you so I'm hard. like, you are literally just drinking and just hammering it home. And he doesn't know why this lady's doing this because he can't remember. Meanwhile, um, Madani is convinced that he is faking the entire thing. Yeah. Uh was this show trying to actively make you sympathize for Russo? Um. And is his fate worse than what Frank wanted to give him? Which was this constant remembrance. He actually has the opposite where he has fragmentation of memory and the only thing he can remember from the one thing Frank wants him to remember is this nightmarish uh, skull, skull and blood and screaming uh, from that traumatic event. Is that worse than what Frank wanted to give him? Is that better and are we supposed to feel sorry for Billy in this? I think to a de- I think to a degree they want you to feel Billy Russo's pain in order for you to understand the decisions he makes. Yeah, and like the position he's in, it was a really it was a really tough uh journey to follow because like he keeps having these moments where he is sort of really depressed about the fact that like. Now he's he only is stricken with the memories of these people that he considered friends, and they all hate him. Yeah, which is tying back into what is now a uh, an instinctual feeling of neglect mm-hmm. that ties back to the rest of his problems from childhood. Right. At the same time, it's like, but you were a really bad person, and you still are. Yeah. And you are now you you've gone back into your criminal activities. What do you think about his stubborn nature once he finds out why people hate him? He doesn't necessarily, like, try to extend an olive branch. He no. just doubles down on, like... 
the anger. Well, if they hate me, then I'm going to hate them too. I, I, I think that's just the, the, the quick to anger um, synapses that are probably going off in his scarred brain. Yeah. Because um, we see him at many points uh, affected to the point that he can li- he literally can't think clearly. Right. And uh, you can see the pain expressions on his face. They're sort of like migraine headaches. Yeah. I mean, his head got smashed. I never at one point was like, no, this is not realistic. Because I remember how often his head got smashed into yeah. that damn glass. Yeah. And I was like, I can see some effects. I can imagine the pulsing effects in that head. Um, but the trauma of Billy is easily understood by somebody by, like Krista because we get a hellacious revelation that Krista's father uh, was going through a divorce with his with her mother. And so he assumed that, um, well, he stated that if he could not have Krista, that um, no, no one, one could. Can. And he jumped out of a window with her, basically killing himself and um, fracturing her because she ended up failing having, to kill the daughter. Who did not survives. kill the daughter. She survives. Um haunted with the idea of, of falling out of a windows, fear of heights and stuff, um and scars all over her body from the evasive surgeries that they had to have mm-hmm. to make sure that she was alive. Um that trauma coupled with her outward um idea of helping broken people like if they were broken animals mm-hmm. or this idea that anybody, anything given an ounce of redemption, love and care can reform. Um those are not bad ideas. Those are not no intrinsically it's it's all her like chasing after this uncatchable dragon that she could have fixed her father yeah or that someone could have yeah you know so if she can keep other people from suffering in the way that she did because of the fact that her father was somewhat emotionally fractured yeah she can have a piece of 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 a redemption or a closure (laughs) yeah um I don't, know if, I don't know if you could get it with Billy, though, you know? Uh, I There were many points in which Billy questioned her actual authenticity, mm-hmm. whether she really cared about him or not. I think that she does. Yes. I think that or she did. She ultimately says it in her hospital bed. Um, and in the same sense, do you think Billy cared for her? I think he did toward the end. But I also think he's... I, I think the paranoia was, like, heightened constantly. Yeah. So at the first sign of... Of, of trouble, he was ready to write someone off. Even towards the end of the series, I thought Krista would eventually, like, get her bearings and be like, you know what, I don't want to be with any of this. No. She keeps to just dig she herself. She just doubles down on it in the hospital. Uh, dig herself deeper and deeper. Um, And she and Madani kind of have, like, this um, you know, their paths cross in a very intricate way mm-hmm. because she allows herself to act actively uh, manipulate Madani. Mm-hmm. and lie to her and try to get things out of her over a bottle of wine. Um, how did you feel about their relationship? For a second there, I thought it was going to be actually like they were going to do something pretty interesting with it until basically it just comes out that like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I know how to hurt him now. Yeah. I yeah. figured out how Frank works, apparently. Yeah. And you have um, you have that brilliant standoff where she comes in and uh, Krista's bags are already packed by the yeah. door and stuff. And it's like, you going anywhere? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think Krista's a bad liar on cue. Or at least in, not in this, uh, this particular just, instance. It was weird for me in that scene where it's like, the moment she goes up to Billy Russo and it's just like, I know how to hurt Frank. I was like, okay, she's gone full-blown yeah, villain it, now. It, yeah, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but. so in this instance where Madani has her almost dead to rights with all these facts and figures, or at least this accusation, you know what it reminded me of? It reminds me of the Vanessa scene where she has them killed. 
Oh yes, yeah. Like like Vanessa's gone full blown villain. Like, no, we must kill him. You know, yeah, I get, yeah, I get it. Like she's she's bought the bullet and she's here. Except for like on Krista, it happened a lot faster. Um, and you know, it's because of Krista that Billy even thinks that there's any out of of any of this. You know, Krista is the one who builds up. Let's get new identities. Let's move somewhere. Let's get out of all this. Let's yeah. continue a, a happy life. And so, if not initially, Krista eventually ends up being the personification of that new life for Billy, mm-hmm. of moving past the trauma, moving past the memories, moving past the um, all of that. And I think that... that we I, scored a bunch of cash. We're going to get out of here and just... Let's go. Let's go run away and be happy. Bonnie and Clyde did up. You know. I'll go get these flowers. You Bill, know. Billy has this, this, this scene that's almost reminiscent of the... Uh, uh, the raindrops, Petey Parker scene in spite of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just the happiest he could ever be. He's happy. He smiles to himself. He gets a bunch of flowers, and then he sees his girl get dropped off at her apartment, literally. And um, uh, Madani goes one on one with uh Krista, who probably like, got the moment Madani and, and and Billy make eye to eye contact from that apartment. I was just like, oh, oh yo, girl. my blood, my blood was pumping and that's how they ended that episode yeah knowing that it would pick up you know on fire and i, I always like when they do that with those with the last episode like oh you about to get it but yeah madani and krista go at it hand in hand and duma gets a lot of uh action in a lot of people were not too happy about that because madani is a trained homeland uh agent but as and and, sh- and, and 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 krista <laughs> literally draws first blood yes but oh if, that was nasty but if you see and krista went out of the bathroom and around yeah that was it she had a she had something going on. She had like a, some kind of secret. I guess I guess uh, she. I, I think Billy taught her some strategic trickery. <laughs> so two things. One, a lot of people had a problem, like I said, with Dumont getting as much offense in. But I have to remind you guys that in the previous sex scene, we saw that Dumont loves pain, and <laughs> and that she literally gets off on pain. She literally, um, you know, uh, it, it it's not a factor for her. So when she's being wrestled down and at one point actively being choked, she was being choked the same way Billy was choking her probably two episodes prior or probably yeah. that night. Yeah. Um. So that's one. Second thing, I'm a little bit upset. Chekhov's tea kettle. All right? <laughs> and you're already laughing because you know what I'm talking about, bro. They showed that tea kettle like four different times. And it made me seem like this tea kettle was going to play into this fight at some point. It just turns it, it off. And it never, she just turned it I was waiting for up. something to go boom for some reason. Now, I've, now, I eventually, you know, after re-watching it, realized that the tea kettle is a metaphor for the situation. and For it boiling over. It, yes, and because when it gets to the point where Krista has the knife in um in her face, that's when it actively starts to whistle because it, 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 it the has, situation has boiled, boiled to over. The top, yeah. yeah, it has boiled over. Um, how do you feel about Madani handling that situation by pushing her out of a window? I was just, I was like, okay, we went, we went straight for like the full circle, like the straight <laughs> forward, like we're just gonna push her right back out of a window again. <laughs> That's so, that was so like, it happened, and her look of pure horror when it happens, like really made me feel bad for the whole thing. It did. I honestly felt bad. Even and then like they completely was... reshoot the way like the glass is done with her as a kid. Yeah, and her seeing her father yeah. still laying there. Um, I I do think that she was uh pretty polite by waiting for Billy to show up to die. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy shows up, he she looks at him and then like coughs blood and dies. And I was like, oh okay, she, now she's dead. Right. I thought she was all, I thought she was just dead. I did too. Um, but then she uh she's like looking at um she can see her father and then she eventually dies. Uh, Madani takes a moment to herself to be like, I just kind of killed somebody and I just. 
push somebody out of a window. It's, it, it, it's, it's this weird moment of like half regret, half like, man, I have not had a W in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and all that told me was that um, the, her body language spoke to me and it said that I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be lied to. I don't want like the presumptions of this of this badge of of my job is getting in the way of of you know doing what I want to do. And I actually thought that in that moment she was thinking about resigning or coming clean with everything that happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, she doesn't because before she can do that, like you say, she locks eyes with Russo. Russo shows up and they go at it. And Russo accuses her of. Take like taking something from him. Like, why did you have to go after? Why did you have to bring her into this? Right. This was between me and you. How do you feel about that statement? Um, I think that's that's Russo's paranoia. Yeah. To some degree, like this. <laughs> like I didn't hurt you that much. I didn't kill that many people. Right. For you to take this away from me. <laughs> like you've now personally done this to me. You're not. You're not upholding justice. You're actively trying to spitefully take away my happiness. Right. Do you think any of that was that for? I no. Medina, I felt, uh, Madani. I, no, I, I I thought it was almost a co- a coincidental like connection. Okay. Like I don't think it it clearly didn't go near the like kill the woman. Yeah. Um. Obviously, she was doing something wrong, and everybody knew that. Yeah. Um. So they did like openly mock her trauma in the in the, in the thing. yeah. <laughs> that Madonna's openly mocking <laughs> yeah. everyone's trauma. Yeah, that's also kind of true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, she's also a, li- a lot more looser. Madani is in um in this season mm-hmm. because of things that have, have happened to her. She's willing to kind of go against uh, the law or maybe yeah. the letter of the law. To, um, because once you've done it once. But somebody who won't, my man Brett Mahoney, he's, <laughs> he's trying to stay on the straight and narrow. He, you know, he was a beat cop when the Punisher first, when Frank Castle first showed up in Hell's Kitchen. And now by the time uh, Punisher season two is around, you know, he's gotten, he's gotten some uh, he's merit. Moved on, he's moved on up. He's got some merit under that badge. And he seems to be constantly shocked by the rules that Madani's willing to bend to get things um, done. How do mm-hmm. you feel about uh, Brett's perspective of, of all this? To me, Brett is just like, uh, Brett is still just a a street cop. Not, not like a beat cop, obviously, but like a cop on the street doing the grind who is looking up at these like like these high-powered agents of the government and it's just like, oh, y'all get to just do whatever y'all want. Yeah. It's, walking into people's crime scenes and just messing all sorts of stuff up and, and, and covering things up and I'm trying to do my job. I never really, I never gotten that perspective before so I'm actually happy that it was in the show how um, NYPD would look at CIA or vice versa. Yeah. And we get that between Madani and uh, Mahoney in this. Uh, but Brett is so hell-bent on doing things the right way that he eventually arrests the Punisher mm-hmm. um, which causes almost his death because, yes. <laughs> because of such. So, I just worry that every season we would have to get a new cop in here who says the Punisher's ways are not right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Madani was kind of that in season one. She comes around, and then Brett's that in season two, and he comes around. By the end of that happens, when Billy Russo um, ends up dying, we'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of dirty, right? Everyone's lying. <laughs> everyone's kind of like, <laughs> well, you know. And I think everyone is just so, so in a hurry to get this done Just with. get this done and get it over with. Um, but let's like, go- can I just can I just lock up muggers again? <laughs> let's get uh, back to Frank because he is the um, who we're trying to focus on the most with this conversation. And in this, he does for whatever reason get a really really close relationship with Amy, and it almost uh, remembers uh, that 
very, very famous film, Leon the Professional, where you have this supposedly trained cold killer um, get his heart warmed by a younger uh, female that he hopes to protect and not only protect, but kind of train in the ways of wh- what this world is okay. and, uh, and, and stuff there. My favorite part of their interaction is probably not a lot of people's, but it's when her crazy ass tries to throw a tennis ball at him and unarm him when he goes to the trailer. Uh. And he judo flips her, throws, puts the gun in her face, and is like, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm just trying. He's like, you're not trying to do nothing. Yo, he flips out. He shoots the gun in the trailer. Yeah. He's like, you see how close it could have been? And Curtis is like, come on, man. And again, I was there like, no, like, none of this is a joke. You don't jump. You don't surprise Frank Castle with a birthday party. You understand? If everyone dies in that right. party, it's your fault. Right. Because <laughs> you just try to surprise and jump out of a corner of Frank Castle. She 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 only doubles down further on this mistake by almost shooting Curtis with a shotgun. You understand what I'm saying? Um, and all kinds of people are getting shot. Like they walk up on Madani and Madani shoots Mahoney because of that. Like stop jumping on. Stop stop trying to jump scare these people who are trained of, with guns. Icky trigger figures around here. You understand? A lot of these people are dealing with trauma. You trying to jump scare these people uh, to get their attention? Like nah, none of that. Um, there is a lot of like Amy Bendix is way in over her head and keeps trying to do things. She like she um, impersonated a nurse. She um, she got away with that as a nurse. <laughs> she uh, she punched and slapped the Punisher. Mm-hmm. She stole his van. She escaped from him twice. I want to say yeah. And then she pulls off that con where she goes from uh, waitress to schoolgirl. Right. So my my biggest thing is that I think the reason why I, I rubbed up against their relationship so uh, poorly is that I don't I never saw him have this amount of patience with anyone right anyone Karen anybody like the things that she was able to get away with mm-hmm. on with Frank Castle boggled my mind like you stole his van that's a shotgun to the chest right. you <laughs> you you try to scare him you know when he had a loaded gun that's a shotgun to the chest. You slapped him and you punched him because you thought he locked you in your room. Like, all that stuff is, like, I don't got to do none of this. I could just go back, check on Beth, which he probably should have. He probably should have just went back and checked on Beth. Pilgrim would have killed one person instead of all the people. He would have killed Amy. It would have been done. They would have got the pictures back and everything would have been Gucci. But it's 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 the young girl problem. Oh, my Can't gosh. just let that young I, girl go out. She didn't warn me like Laura did in Logan. I right. didn't get that feeling where I'm like... I want her to kick some ass. You understand? Right. Like, you know what? She's a little badass. I didn't get the little badass thing. I got like entitlement. There, there was a part of me that was afraid. I was like, like this show was gonna end with, with uh, she's gonna stick around and like, like she's be gonna the be like Punisher? the sidekick or like uh-huh. gonna train her. I was just like, good god, no! It's like a white heart on her vest. Oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. But um, you know. Frank Frank is getting pulled in so many directions in this season that it is it it is difficult to focus on like what Frank is is journey is because the, the beginning of it goes away so quickly. They're also constantly hindering his journey, whatever his journey is. Yes, they want him. Many 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 people want him to do what they want him to do. Yes. Amy wants him to find this Pokemon guy and kill him. Madani wants him to find Russo and do that. Curtis well, wants him to not do first anything. First, Madani just wants him to go back into his hole. Oh, yeah. And yep. then when the Billy Russo becomes a problem, I was like, oh, crap. Uh, so we need you to kill Billy. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm I don't, bringing you to New York so you can kill Billy Russo. 
So, and then Curtis wants him to just straight up be out of it. Right. Like, don't deal with any of this stuff. We're out of this game. Just be out of it. And he can't Curtis please anyone. Curtis wants to not fear for his life anymore. He was about done with Frank at several points in this in this series. Yes. At one point, he actively just walks out. Right. He actively, like, Frank is going to do the bullshit Frank wants to do. Why can't I do what I want to do? And he just leaves. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about Curtis's, uh, I wouldn't call it a turn. I feel like it's kind of a natural progression from where he was left off in season no, one. No, Curtis just, yeah, he got frustrated and he made the decision he made to just like, like, I don't need to be involved in this mess. I'm still trying to put my life back together from the first time. Yeah. And, like, I've got a girl that I keep pushing away to do this. How do you feel about him being so affected by killing somebody? Um, I thought that was interesting. I was like, I guess it's interesting to see that he sees a difference from killing someone being a soldier than to, like, doing it in this civilian life. Yeah. And, like, how how much that is completely in contrast to Frank, who doesn't see a difference right. at all. Yeah, and um, the fact that they're so cool, right? Yes. Like, they're so cool, and at some and so many points, Curtis is there to help Frank. But it, when put in those same shoes, had a, a, like a it was starkly interesting to, It was interesting to see them laugh about, like, the things they had done to each other previously and the, and the trouble they had gotten each other into. Right, right. Mostly Frank getting Curtis into. Right. But I think it's then when Curtis is like, I am not in for any of this. Because when they eventually get, um, well, there's a torture scene, mm-hmm. right? Where Curtis and Madani are like, nah, we're not about this. Even though we were about this when it started. This has gone too far. Yeah, this has gone too far. Curtis also seems like the anti-Frank because he has a lot more in his life going on. Yes. He feels like he has people depending on him. Uh, not only the veterans, but like you said, he was he had a female, you know, that he was trying to court. Yes. And um, he has a life that he has to maintain. Where Frank kind of has abandoned the idea of having a regular life, at least when he's in tunnel vision, Frank Castle Punisher mode. Yeah. And stuff. Um, so I, I guess it makes sense, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I was pissed <laughs> when Frank came back and he wasn't in that trailer with with uh, David. I would because that this had also happened when just happened after Amy did what he what she did. Right. And I'm just like, why are you all screwing Frank, man? Why are y'all all <laughs> screwing Frank? It was like when Curtis was there with John Pilgrim. Right. And John Pilgrim, um, Curtis is like, I don't know about no girl, and then poof, hey, uh, Frank's loose, and we got him loose and everything. I'm like, Amy. <laughs> You know the rules. You're supposed to knock and say your name. You're supposed to announce who you are right. before you get in. There's a whole, there's a whole thing, girl. You just keep acting unilaterally and getting people shot. You need to, you need to relax. Like, Curtis, what's girl? I don't know. I left it there. Yeah, there is no girl. There's no, there's no such girl. Hey, Curtis, it's me, the girl, and I'm and, and, and the girl that you were keeping secret. And Frank Castle's out of out of uh, the hospital. So yeah, we got to talk about um, Frank getting jumped, which I thought was crazy when uh, Billy sets up that trap for Frank and playing loud music and the lights. Oh, man, that one was tough to watch. It definitely was, man. He was getting shot with, like, rock salt and stabbed. Yeah. um, Sliced up. Hit with crowbars. Oh, my God. He got... And just, like, that flashing light. And the blaring, like, metal music. Um, how you feel about Billy's whole organization? You know, even though he doesn't remember Anvil. You mean the Serpent Society? Yeah, even though I thought it was more like the Purge. <laughs> no, like did, you didn't hear him. He called it the Serpent Society. 
he he openly references them being like serpents. Ah, that makes sense. And I was just like, ah, it's the surface society. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, How you feel about him just getting back into the swing of like big speeches, big guns, and, uh, you know, camaraderie? Um... I guess that like that was the old that was the old Billy Russo charisma just working its magic again. Yeah, um, it shows how much of that is in in him. And still totally in him. got me by the way that to do with the cash checking place was the inside job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really I was really hyped for that lady standing her ground, but I didn't want her to get killed. I I was too. She 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 was she was there. She was like, does it work that way, dummy? Yeah, yeah. It can't fit through there. That grenade can't fit through there. All but, that stuff. Only to find out that the dude freaking out was an inside man, and he had played his part. Yeah, when he hit the button, I was like, "Bro, you guys had it." And then when he, he was so close, out, he was, yeah, when he turns out, um, and uh, initially he he's kind of after that first hit, uh bust, he's kind of like still like scrambled. Remember, like he takes all the money for himself. Yeah, and then he goes back to Krista, and they have like an argument and stuff like that. But after a while, he really like digs it, and they have like a clubhouse, and they bring girls. He comes over. back with the money. He's just like. Y'all can leave with that, or we, we can, can have make the big score. Yeah, we can have an army. No one tells us what to do. All this other kind of stuff. And this um, is just him falling back in the old habits. It's not Anvil, but it's a private militia, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they're just uh, partying and acting out and, and then doing jobs. Uh, doing jobs and stealing and stuff. Um, I did like that other scene of Frank showing up at the highway. Russo! <laughs> right. And he takes off the mask, and then Russo just flips out because he remembers his skull. And uh, he just he truly which, bugs which out. Which is just the, it has not been cleaned since. Yes, and that's a lot of that blood is his. <laughs> so it looks like exactly the same. A lot of that blood is and his. He just deer in the headlight freaks out. Um, but Russo's memory is a lot of what this season is about, and that brings me to the question: What makes vengeance or revenge enjoyable? Is it the fact that the person you've gotten revenge on knows and remembers and can call back to you being the person? that did it, it uh, is it a fa- is it a sense of justice and does justice also come with remembrance like you stole my car so i crashed yours um does it does the revenge come full circle when you know that you're that you're where you're at as a result of what you've done or just the the fact that things are even now i th- i think i th- i think there has to be an evenness but i think the evenness does have to come with that mark yeah so like if you if you cut me with a knife and I remember it and I and like it leaves a mark on me that constantly reminds me of that moment, mm. the idea of vengeance is that I leave an equal or bigger mark on you that reminds you of your failure in some way. Yeah, like that—that's the whole point. So if, if I have to suffer with this thing that reminds you of this this mistake or this failure I had, I want you to have an equal or greater um, how do you say, failing or. Or a scar. Yeah. And the fact that um, Billy doesn't remember the scar means it was for nothing. That's what I was going to say. he should have like, just killed him. It's not only the idea that I was that you scarred me and I need to scar you. Oh, sorry. It's not only the idea that uh, you scarred me and you need to be scarred, but I need to scar you, right? Yes. Because if somebody, if, if I had cut you with a knife, and then, uh, you know, they leave the scar for five years. We don't see each other for five years. And when you meet me again, you realize that somebody else has cut me. Um, that revenge is still not. That yeah. revenge is still not fully realized because no. you have to be the one to feel just and feel like everything is even. Right. Um, Frank has to remember every day that his family was killed. Right. By Russo and men like him. 
or just the organization in general. Mm-hmm. Madani has no choice but to remember every day what Russo did to her, how he uh, used her, how he shot her, and how he damn near killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that at one point, like, you have to live with that. I'm good. Like, I, I, I live, you know. Right. So it's almost like, um, it's almost like he got away free. Mm-hmm. And we would think that he got away free if we didn't see how much of the little bit that he remembered haunted him. Right. Um, and so vengeance becomes enjoyable then when the person seeking it feels like things are just mm-hmm. and people aren't even playing field. And so at the moment of at the end of the carousel, Frank is justified. He's he gotten his vengeance and it is what it is. But um, past that. When he realizes that Billy doesn't remember, he has to kind of do it again. Like he has to, yeah. He has to kind of remember him he again. He has to finish the job he should have. And Billy, Billy's uh, memory and Frank's whole existence also deals with this idea that of like trauma as justification. Not only trauma as like things that happen and how we cope with it, but also this idea that we are allowed a certain level of rule breakage because of our trauma. How do you feel about that logic? Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. I, I agree. Like, I. I feel like it's an excuse. That like, what 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 good are what good are lines and rules if we can stretch and bend the lines and rules for specific situations? Yeah, but that's how Brett feels, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but Madani's like, well, if you had experienced what I experienced, the trauma. No, I I, I sympathize with Brett completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I also sympathize with Madani no, because Russo's a, a maniac, and I almost died because of that man, and now he's just walking around, yes, chilling stuff like. I get that every every cop is on it, but y'all need to be like more on it, <laughs> and maybe right. more on it is some guy who just has a bunch of guns in his van and goes around and killing, right. killing people and stuff. But um, I do think they try to use. I think especially Dumont tries to allow Billy to believe that all the bad that he does is justified because bad was done to him, and so if he needs to be reborn from the trauma and and wash away the mistakes or or the bad things that were done to him. Um, make sure that he's on top next time. When right. He, when he rebuilds the sandcastle, make sure that he's on top as opposed to being the one, you know, constantly uh, being pushed aside because of his background, his financial status, or just um, how he was raised. Which is all fine when she's just trying to heal him until she goes full-blown villain and starts yes. plotting to hurt other people. No, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, and can revenge ever fill the void? I think it, I think we're kind of shown that it can't, right? Like. No. There's never going to be a full... Like, Madani thinks that she got her revenge on Russo and kind of doesn't. And um, she does seem satisfied to tell uh, Crystal that he's dead <laughs> or that he's yeah. dying. So maybe she did get to fill that void. Maybe if, knock on wood, we see <laughs> Madani again, right. um, you know, she'll be different, better I don't that think Russo's she, I don't gone. I think she ever gets to fill that void, but I, I, I think a little bit of her... That was looking for that violent retribution is at least like I could walk away from this now. Yeah, I think the main thing is that you know, um, by the time you hit season two, Punisher is no longer acting on vengeance, right? Would yes, you say? he's acting in defense and maybe acting active. I mean, acting proactively in defense, but he's right. active, acting in defense. How do you feel there, about? There's a there's supposed there is intended to be a level of altruism in protecting this young girl. Yeah, but that altruism comes from directly being shot at first. Right or no? no the, he kind of he kind of he goes yeah. after those people. Yeah, it was the bathroom fight first. Actually, he goes, he hears some scuffling in the bathroom, goes in yeah. there, puts somebody's head through a sink. Right. Yeah, that's Frank. Yeah, that sounds like Frank. And I like that he called Madani. Madani's like, screw you. What did you think this was? Like, you just call me whenever you get into some stuff, and we handle that. I I actually uh liked her reaction to that there. How do you feel about the Frank Castle versus the Russians in the gym? 
Oh, God, that was disgusting. No guns. Took all the guns off the table. No grenades, no military weaponry whatsoever. Just weights and blood. Leading up to it was clever. Yeah, yeah. Just draw them all out, put all the weapons over there. I just get to fight these guys. Yep, and Turk being bait. (laughs) As someone who is... As someone who has lifted and, and moved around a bunch of barbells and plates in my life, watching a man get just bludgeoned with a 10-pound plate was kind of gruesome. And, like, they don't shy away from it, and you actually see, like, what the results would look like. I thought the practical effects were yeah. amazing when they were doing stuff like that. And that's what I'm saying. This show is violent, but I think it's gratuitous violence is a cautionary tale that this stuff is not fun. Right. That this is not just pow, pow, whatever. All the blood spatter, all the screams of horror, all the be, you know, the There were some very disgusting results at the end. Yeah, you need to see that this is what that what happens at that. You don't just shoot into the void, that person fall over, and that's all it is. Yeah. People get hurt, people are affected, your own self is affected, you're traumatized and stuff. The full trauma that comes with guns and gun violence. But when the first season came out, it came out close to the Las Vegas shooting. Mm-hmm. And so they were very testy about, you know, how they advertised it and everything. And did, I, they, did they move it back a week? I know that they didn't show anything for Comic-Con that year. Okay. They were supposed to have, like, a whole thing, and they, they chose not so, to show something, something got changed or moved. Yeah. And so... Um, I remember there was a big fear that they would, like, go back and completely re-edit the show. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like in season two, they kind of steered away from the military commentary a little less. Um... um or a little bit more, they steered away from it a little bit more, and yeah. they steered away from the gun violence a little bit more. There was straight, there was violence, right? But most of the time, when you see Frank in this show, he has a handgun, right? He's putting a handgun out of the back of his waistband, and he's you know a lot of knives, yeah, a lot of knives and stuff like that. Do you think that was a, a intentional? Do you think that they were? Um, I don't know if it was intentional. I I think it was just it was it was a way to to get, to involve um Frank a lot more physically, because gun violence is a distance game. Yes, and it like is. it's not. It's not always the most pleasing unless you unless the gun violence is constantly mowing down people. Right. How do you feel about that gun violence in that hotel scene with him and John Pilgrim? Oosh. Where he's literally blasting holes out of the wall. Just right. That was that was something else. It was crazy to see uh Frank outgunned. Right. Like he literally just showed up with a handgun and homeboy had the entire armory in his in his hotel room. I did I did enjoy the uh for, as a storytelling plot, I did enjoy the moment where like they did con him into thinking he mowed down those girls, and, and and he just freaks out. And his idea that I deserve every bad that comes to me because of this. Yeah. Um. The idea that Russo could do it with no conscience, right? And still feel like he deserved a happy ending. And Frank think that he did do it and think that he doesn't. And was ready to just give it like, like when the guy comes to take him out for revenge of the Irish mob, but he was just like, "Go ahead, do yeah. it. This is this is the end for me. Yeah, I deserve this." Um. I think that 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 was there to show you how different that they were because Billy says multiple times that there's no they, you know they're not that different and that's kind of a cliche when it comes to this superhero genre of like you, we're not so different you and I but I think um that showed how different Punisher was and now um Billy succumbs to a couple shots that uh, Madani gave him and um calls Curtis to because he doesn't want to die alone yeah and he still sees Curtis as a brother I kind of felt like that was going to be a trap I don't know why. Maybe my Billy, my Billy senses were were kicking off or whatever. But I, I same really senses like, what Donnie has. But yeah, um, but I, I, I did kind of believe it was genuine because I'm still going on the fact that like he says that like there are people telling him these things, so he yeah. knows it up here, but he doesn't feel it in his heart. Yeah. So like the things he feels are the things he, the only emotions he remembers is that these two were 
brothers and connected. Yeah. Which is probably why Billy doesn't kill him outright the first time they meet up. Yeah, and they also say that they don't they can't kill him. You know, uh Punisher says he has a shot on Billy, he doesn't take it, and yeah. Curtis says the same. So that brothers in arms thing really does come through from from both seasons, even with all the horrifying things that they've done to one another. Um I think you get reached the the height of sympathy for Russo when he is literally when he literally wakes up in a dumpster mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh you know where a, a, a dirty doctor has ripped him off took his money took just, his money took a bullet out one bullet out of him and, and left him there to die passed out in pain it's just like screw this guy um it's also said many times that Russo won't die so I was kind of surprised that Frank just walked up on him and yeah and unload well he unloaded he shot him three times like but. the moment that scene came on I was like like they're 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 Billy Russo is again alone and unloved yeah, in a garbage can. Alone, unloved, and in a garbage dying can, but, in but, a garbage can. But also dragging himself out of it. Yeah, again, again, dragging himself up from the bottom, uh, for the third, fourth time in right. the series. Uh, so, like, when that scene immediately is followed by like the Chris Dumont saying like he won't die, he's too strong. Like you now, you you you're kind of led to believe it. Yeah, for that moment, and, until Frank walks up on him. <laughs> And that well, that kind of also that kind of steadfast steadfastness is a bit um admirable. Yes. And so you're like, well, okay, you know, I guess you did a lot of horrible things, but I'm glad that you won't die. Um, I guess we'll we'll end our season two discussion uh with how that series ends. So um, you know, Frank lets Amy go. Mm-hmm. Frank lets Pilgrim go because Pilgrim was ultimately being coerced by the Schultz. Um, does the Davis stuff get out? The Davis? David? Does he just let oh. the pictures out? Does he just... Um, it's unclear. Right, it is, right? Yeah, they don't ever say what happens to David Schultz and, and the photos. Um, it, it, it's, it seemed like he was ready to turn his parents in, but it doesn't matter anyway because Frank um, killed the wife and then the husband killed himself. Yeah. So... What do you think of that scene? Um... I, I, I sort of enjoyed that, like, the Punisher got to do something. Yeah. When she first showed up, I'm like, Amy, again, I'm like, what are you doing? Are you in your depth? Are you going to get this accomplished? Did right. you come here on your own? You know, like, he's trying to put you on, a like, a straight and narrow. Like, he's yeah. trying to do all this stuff so you won't have to, and now you're here. So when he showed up, I was like, thank God. I think we got right. a professional in the house. He's going to get this done. Um, and just the way he shot Eliza. It, it, was, it was just sort of that moment where, like, she got to do whatever, and, and then he's just like, okay, well, we tried it your way. Um, seeing him shoot Eliza, I thought it was like cool and crazy and yeah. just like out of nowhere. Just cold blooded, just like bang. He's like, yeah, he, she decided for herself. So, uh, you get to choose. Um, and I, she did reach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was pretty cool, but we ultimately see him, um, descend on two gangs. He's called a gang truce. Yes. For two gangs to show up. Neither gang knows who actually called the truce. Frank Castle shows up. Um, in his full leather coat, uh, mm-hmm. the bulletproof uh, uh, Punisher vest. vest, and his iconic pose of being of holding two guns, dual wielding, and, and just, just airing out, away. Yeah, just airing out uh, two machine guns or Uzis worth of clips onto this gang, um, while giving us one of our uh, now primal guttural <laughs> screams, yeah, burnt all scream, the burnt all uh, grunt, it's gungasm. How do you feel about that moment? And I, uh, I guess when it all said and done, how do you feel about season two? Um, I thought season two was okay. I did like that moment for what it was, despite the fact that it was immediately followed by an in memoriam for Stanley. I that cannot was believe poorly how, placed. Yeah, that was so like obviously uncomfortable. I don't understand how that got passed, but 
I mean, I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, you know, remember, remembering Stan and in sure, Stan, just like several weird. young people gunned down in memory. Please remember Stan. Like, yeah. no, wait, this doesn't. No, yeah, you could have waited <laughs> after the credits to De- do this. Definitely fine. No, I dig it. Um, I, I, I thought that was a cool look. Like you got him in that, that almost full regalia for Punisher that fans are familiar with yeah. doing his particular pose. Berenthal pulls off the look very well because like yeah. a lot of people would probably look hokey doing it. Yeah, but he just he, he rocks that whole thing. Um, yeah, this season was okay. I thought there were a lot of just enjoyable little character moments, but as a full show, like it's pulled you in so many directions. And, like, you're constantly being, like, swung back and forth to, like, this storyline and that storyline and this storyline. It, it, it's, I'll, I'll make a silly little reference because it just came out and it's topical. It's like if Resident Evil 2 had both storylines with one character. Right, it's a lot. It's a whole lot. It's I, like, okay, now now Leon's going to do Claire's part. And now I, Leon's going to go back over here. I also feel like um, they they... Maybe they got the word that a lot of people felt like season one was kind of depressing, right? And kind of sad. Frank is a lot less retrospective in this season. He's a lot less thinking back on his ideas and his his um, involvement in mm-hmm. the military and all that kind of stuff. He does have flashbacks. He does have moments where he remembers, but um, he is way more jovial. He's way more jokey. He occasionally laughs. He's way more charismatic, and I felt like maybe that's where my disconnect came from. Because although season one was bleak, I believe that the existence of that character would be bleak. I I, <laughs> I, I like when he laughs with Curtis. Yeah. Because that's like the only real relationship he has. And I like to see that there is, there is, that he can coexist with humans. Yeah. In some way. Right. Other than angry Punisher face. <gasps> you know, that. You I think that. that's good. Yeah. Uh, with other people, it's weird. I think it was cool to finally see that that whole trench coat and, and, and dual wielding stuff. We got the Punisher van. So many cool things. If you're a Punisher fan, you definitely got stuff to hang your hat on. And maybe they, uh, it wasn't 100% perfect, but it definitely had moments of pure, like, this is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. This is what the Punisher should be. And I, I really dug it. I did. I really dug it. Uh, the next Punisher is going to have some big shoes to fill. Because if, they if there flesh, is one. Yes. Because they flesh oh, the, a big trench coat uh, jacket to fill because... They really did flesh this character out in a way that I feel like has never really been done on the silver screen. Right. Definitely been done in comics because they have the medium. That's the medium for that. It's so yeah. many issues, you have the time to tell that. But I'm 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 glad they took this episodic nature to this character, uh-huh. uh, so you can see what a day in the life, a week in the life, uh, you know, a couple months in the life. It's a character is. that definitely needs time. Yeah, and it definitely is a process. Like you definitely yeah. watching the show definitely you know puts you through a gamut of emotions and. Um, it makes you question why are you feeling some certain emotions certain times, mm-hmm. and if you should be feeling them at certain times, and it goes to just the illogical nature of humanity and and, yeah. and how emotions drive our decision making skills. But um, I think that this was a definitive version of the Punisher. This is going to be many people's version of the Punisher, and this right. is mine uh, for the time being. Until I, I, I still think better. season one is rewatchable. If you if if you want to be like. You know, season one is still very enjoyable, despite that. I just thought season two was the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. Other than you outright not liking it, which I understand. I, I, I definitely agree. And <laughs> with us uh, completing this review of uh, and this character analysis of Marvel's The Punisher, we actually finish up every single Marvel Netflix 
show. Um, we can do deep dives on other character analysis, but we've covered at least one season of every Marvel okay. Netflix show up until this point. So if you want your Jessica Jones fix, Jessica Jones season two review is up. Iron season, Fist season two will two. be coming. That's that's, yeah. probably, that's the last confirmed that's the last one. one we do here, and hopefully you guys are here for that. And the only way you can be is to follow the Major Issues podcast. If you're listening to this, thank you so much for listening because it's listeners like you that grow our audience. But um, yeah, you got to stay in tune with the Major Issues podcast. So make sure that you are subscribed. And you can do that by uh, going to wherever podcasts are found, like Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play. We're on YouTube. We're wherever podcasts are found. If you have an iPhone, you have a pre-installed podcast app already on there. So just search Major Issues Podcast. If you're on Google, search Major Issues Podcast. And we're the first ones to pop right up. But that's how you can listen to us. If you want us to listen to you, if you guys got some questions, comments, and concerns, all you guys need to do is go to Facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Or hit us up on Twitter at Major Issues CBC. I know you have one. Uh, GT. Yes, yes. Uh, Rebirth GT is my Twitter handle. I'm on there now. I'll probably be talking about um, the fact that I've started to read. Um, the uh, Superman Birthright. It's actually my first time I've read oh, wow. one of the origin stories. Oh, that's pretty cool. So that's that's what I've been reading on the way here, and I'll be reading on the way out. Yeah, we actually just uh, posted on all across all social medias, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, um, Boss Logic's idea of what Billy Russo would have looked like after um, that. Because one thing we didn't talk about on this cast was that his scars were kind of a little bit to be, uh, you know... You were, you were asking for a lot if you wanted a comic book accurate depiction of the jigsaw face. Yeah, like, but then they probably shouldn't have went so hard in the carousel. Probably not. Right? Like, he should have just took a knife to him at those points in his face. That's fair. And then they, it was what it is. But they literally grinded his face against the thing. And, or maybe it's just the things of the, the brilliance of modern medicine. <laughs> that right. could be That could be it, too. But Scars I know, heal now. Yeah, but jigsaw is... is is grotesque and especially in that um in that punisher war zone he is definitely not a sight for sore eyes so people wanted that from billy didn't get it i just chalk it up to the brilliance of modern medicine and good (laughs) healthcare. but um yeah find us wherever um we're on social media because we're constantly talking about this comic uh stuff and uh yeah it's gonna be good next episode is around um it's getting closer and closer to valentine's day so we're gonna be tackling scott pilgrim versus the world next week which is going to be our little forte and a little bit of love, a little bit of comics, and some more, more, more. Probably my favorite movie of that year. <laughs> and the only thing that I ever care about when it comes to comics, Chris Evans. So we, <laughs> we, we have all of that here next year. So I mean next year, next week. So make sure that you guys are here for that. If you guys can do us a favor, rate and review us on iTunes because it's the quickest way for us to uh, grow our audience and grow as podcasters and know what we're doing right. And we still got a Captain Marvel giveaway going on. Take a picture with one of our shirts from Public. Use the hashtag CBCWorthy for a chance to win two free tickets to see Captain Marvel in theaters. That cost, the contest ends in March, but all of those details are in the show notes. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. My name is Gregory Thomas, a.k.a. GT Rebirth. And this has been our Punisher deep dive character analysis dealing with all things in Daredevil and Punisher seasons 1 and 2. And remember... Whether or not you can remember all the deep trauma that's going on in your life, whether or not you're a one-man war on crime or just some little girl who can't get, can't stop getting in the way. <laughs> uh, whether you have forgiven yourself for all your sins, whether you are, uh, the crap has hit your shoes, <laughs> or uh, whether or not you feel like you found that jigsaw piece in your life. Remember that we are all 
the click. You're one of us, man. You're just like we're in the foxhole. You're in the foxhole. We are the click. Uh, and you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs>